Wow, we had Jason for 12, 12 times. Wow. Yeah. A Dedrick's dozen. A Dedrick dozen. Actually, a Dedrick dozen is 11. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. Without Jason Dedrick. It's a non-Dedrick. Yeah, we had to let him go because of, you know what he did. We heard we heard he was doing another podcast. That's that's the thing. We said no double dipping. Yep. Uh, And he had the, uh, he had the dip and, what was it called? Dip and lip? Lick? Lick and dip? Dip? What was it called? It was called Lick-A-Maid. Lick-A-Maid. That was one of the names. And there was no, no, another no. There one. was another one that was like Lick and Dip, dip and Lick or something. I can't remember. Yeah, there's Dip and Dots as well. <laughs> With the little stick. And there was also, uh, uh, they used to call people dipsticks on the Dukes of Hazard. Is that an insult in the Dukes yeah. of Hazzard? Well, hey, Cletus, you dipstick. That's what they'd uh, call <laughs> that's them. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, when the most powerful person is named Boss Hog, and that's mm. not an insult. <laughs> Who knows what's an insult in that uh, in that world? Well, they're all hogs, but he's the boss. Oh, of the hogs. Oh, so it's an Animal Farm situation. It's an Animal Farm situation. Is Dukes of Hazard uh, a version of Animal Farm? It's George Orwell wrote it. Actually, I didn't realize that, but oh, uh-huh. yeah, early <laughs> early draft. Well, those boys didn't know <laughs> it was like a boot on your neck, stomping forever. <laughs> <laughs> they really, well, they, you know, they're from the South. They, Get really, they really do believe that two plus two equals five. Got them. And wasn't the show on during 1984? I think that's about right. This all, this all is working out. I feel like it was, maybe it was still stretched on. I don't feel like I, I think would, it was. I don't think I would have been watching it in grade 12, to be honest with you. Well, here's what I, think, I know. I think I would be above it. Well, maybe it was still on and I just wasn't watching it. Okay. Anymore. I used to work on a TV show called Switchback. Switchback was on only in the 80s. It yeah. started in 1980 and ended, I think, in 89. Okay. And uh, I remember that we did, uh, I say we, I was I was there, uh, <laughs> but like uh, I didn't book them. But when the um, Dukes uh, went on strike and they had their cousins come on, mm. uh, then um, uh, the, they had them on the show. Okay. So, and the, and the one question that people couldn't ask was, "Hey, what's going on with the other? Why are you on the show and the other Dukes aren't around? Don't bring those guys up. Uh, just pretend like they've been the Dukes for forever." And I was like, "Okay." And uh, those that's how that went. Really? Yep. Interesting. Not the first time that happened, though. That happened to uh, James Garner on Maverick. Oh, okay. I was going on Rockford Files. No, he uh, he left the show in a contract, like a pay, pay dispute, right? And they brought in his cousin. So it's, it was. He was Brett Maverick or Bart Maverick, and so they brought in Brett Maverick or Bart Ma- Maverick as his, as his cousin, and that person took over the show and was Maverick from then on. Okay. Do you know who that was? Was it someone well-known? I don't think he's well-known now. But okay. Just see. And was there... There's uh, no James Garner. Was there bad feelings afterwards, and so the cousin never came back? Because there was never... The cousins never came back on Dukes of Hazard mm. after they left. Mm. Mm. I mean... Garner never returned to the show, so... Oh, but, well, in that case, there yeah. was some bad feelings. Oh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so he left the show, yeah, with... Uh, but, I mean, he went on to do movies, so... Is support your local gunfighter the first, or is support your local sheriff the first in the James Garner films, Western films? The Western films, because I don't think... And are they sequels? Because I think... The, isn't the Americanization of Emily before those movies? Is that the same character? No, it's just... A, I was just talking about in terms of movies. Uh, sorry. Um, I believe that... I'm going to say Sheriff was the first one. Okay, and on our I'm saying that as an as an opinion. I don't think I don't think that they're sequels, but I could be wrong. That'd be weird to have two movies that were I like know. the same name and 
same actor. And but it didn't have the same characters in it as I remember it. Like, it didn't have the same woman, like the female character, that love interest. Well, as neither, we call, neither as does we call any uh, James Bond movie, but I wonder <laughs> if the James Bond movies are technically... Well, some of them, I guess, are sequels. Uh, you know, direct sequels. Since they decided to not go in the order of the books, they kind of they kind of spoiled that. Okay, let's see. Support your local gunfighter was uh, support your local sheriff was sixty nine. Support your local gunfighter was seventy one. There you go. And in between those two, he did Marlowe and a man called. I'm pointing to you to yeah. fill in the blank. Man called. Uh, a man called. <laughs> I don't know. Sledge. Sledge. I don't know that one. I know Marlowe. That's a pretty good film. It's obviously. Uh, based on the Raymond Chandler, but it has Bruce Lee in it, Marlowe. Oh, okay. So, uh, support your local gunfighter uh, shares many cast and crew members and plot elements. Yes. With the earlier support your local sheriff, but yes. it's not a sequel. There you go. Ask, you asked me and I answered it correctly, and yet you still double-checked. And you feel uh, a little insulted, although it's and, okay. And uh, compared to uh, support your local sheriff, what did James Garner say about Support your local gunfighter. How did he compare the two? <laughs> he said, I got a good paycheck. He said, not as good as Support Your Local Sheriff. <laughs> it's not. It's He's right. It's not. Support Your Local Sheriff is a really good film. Mm-hmm. And I think Susan Plachette is in Support Your Local Sheriff. Okay. But I'm, I'm not I'm not going to swear to that. I'm just saying I think that's correct. It's been a long time. I saw it when I was a, in high school still. So that's been a while since I watched that movie. Let me just say that. Okay. And uh, I'm going to just take a little, uh, give you a little bit of trivia in just a sec. Okay. And... If, uh, oh my gosh, that's interesting. Uh, what uh, DC superhero did James Gardner uh, play? Only in cartoon form. He was a voice of. He was a voice of. Okay. And this was a 2010 uh, direct-to-video anim- an animated short uh, film. It was a DC uh, movie. It was a DC movie. What DC character did was it, he Was play? it Moon Knight? That would be a Marvel character, oh, and so, so it would not be at all okay. Moon Knight. Would it be? And it is, uh, yeah. Would it be sw- uh, um, Man Thing? Man. Man Thing is also a Marvel character. Shoot. Okay. So this is uh, two for two. If Spider Man is your next answer, that's no, no. incorrect. I know Spider Man's a Marvel character. Don't take me for an idiot. Okay, uh, let me give you a big clue then. Would it be. Wait, let me okay. just guess one more right. time. Right. Give me one more guess. You can guess as many times as you want. Give me one more guess. Would it be. Um, would it be Luke Cage? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you not respect the game? Okay, let me just... For for sh- for DC, shame. DC, okay. For shame. Um, it's not Batman, right? It's not something obvious like Batman. It is not, it is not Batman. Okay. No. Is it like a is it like a well known character or like kind of like a second level character in terms of what people? Oh, know? I'm now I'm now looking and I'm getting a little confused. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, I will tell you this much. All right. Uh, that because uh, I thought he was playing Captain Marvel, he was not playing Captain Marvel. Oh, but he was in a movie about Captain Marvel, which was Superman fighting Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, and it's confusing because the title on it does not say Captain Marvel because they can't say Captain Marvel. Uh. So what character in the universe? Of Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Uh, does did he play Gardner. Shazam yes, himself? Yes, he did. He was the wizard. Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. Good for him. There's a really good film from that early pre-Rockford Files period. It must have been around the time of Marlowe and all that stuff. But I feel like it's like an early, like a 1970 or whatever. And it's called like, it's a, it has a dog as the title. It's like Only Dogs only dogs Will Kill or Only, something like that. Some kind of weird title like that. And it's basically, he plays like a local. They Only Kill Their Masters? They Only Kill Their Masters. There you go. <laughs> See how, see how correct I was? How could you doubt me? Um, the, yeah, the, uh, it's a quite a good film. He's like a, like a local sheriff, so he, an unsupported one. Very no good. one supports that sheriff. But he, um, 
he's like investigating these, these deaths, death by dog. Okay. Of, cane of, aside. Cane is cane aside, yes. And, um, it's, it's, but it's a good, you know, it's him playing like a kind of a, a smart, but not well thought of character, you know, like, you know, not well regarded. He got his partner, McGruff. And it's just like, <laughs> you're prejudiced in this case. I'm not, I'm going to take a bite out of this crime. How do I say about everything? You're on the dog side here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's good though. I would recommend it if you ever have an opportunity to see it. Okay. With featuring the woman who would go on later to be Webster's mom. Oh, uh, from the uh, uh, BCTV uh, uh, show Webster with Jack Webster. That's or- right. She played his mom, her Scottish mom. Webster, stop being so right wing, Webster. Stop being so newsy. <laughs> no one wants to hear your interview with Mike Hardcart. No one cares. It's like bringing it up in a 2024 podcast. No one knows what you're talking about. An obscure British Columbia reference to both a mayor. And a celebrity who's long since dead. <laughs> Come on now. What was his? What was his uh, tagline? Like his 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 little saying that he would. Good night and go fuck yourself. No, that wasn't it. He had something like that, like you know, that's the news. Whatever he had, some yeah. sort of thing he would say. I I, I would know it, except he just said that. I just said that, and I threw it out of your head. I apologize. Yeah. It'll come to you later when you're going to the bathroom. <laughs> sure, as it usually does when I have visions of Jack Webster going through my head. Like sugar plums. Yeah, it's like, and that's the facts, or that's the way it is. I'll talk to you straight. I watched it. They got a Jack Webster episode, just called Webster, uh, on uh, on YouTube. And I watched okay. it, and it had some politicians on from the time. Mm-hmm. They were political figures. Yeah. Oh, it's a dry show. <laughs> Oh, it's dry. Yeah, yeah. And real, real, real deep cuts. And, you you know, everyone's very well informed and not uh, trying to make it in any way, shape or form entertaining. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's really not, informative. It is not a 20. Well, it's informative. <laughs> That's what you say if when you, you watch can it. stay awake. Wow, this is informative. Yeah. Before, before the 24 hour news cycle, when people were still interested in news as a thing, it could be kind of like watching um, Von Palmer, who I always used to like as a columnist in The Sun. I found him entertaining as a writer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But then he would did like a, he did a politics show on on uh, Rogers Cable on the cable TV, and it was also dry, dry as dust. But you know what? It's, pol- it's provincial politics. Of course, it's dry as dust. Like you know, it's kind of personality free mostly. Yeah, I'm trying to see if they've got his uh, his catchphrase here. Uh, if Webster got something onto, it became news, and it was news because Webster said it was. He defined journalism. Who's saying this? Uh, this is uh, his obituary. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, lived till uh, 80. Good on him. Good on him. Yeah. I remember seeing him Probably when I was... Probably a hard-living guy. Oh, you would think so. You would think he would have a drink when he or, got home. Or eat. Not at home. Not like on the set? They would go to the... No, they would go to like the media club or whatever, like the bar and they would... Well, he wouldn't go to the media club. That's too far. He's working in uh, Burnaby. You have to go somewhere. He'd go to well, Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese was down the street. I'm just saying. Maybe like, go to Chuck E. Cheese and have a good hard, <laughs> hard, uh, like that. you know, uh, uh, Coke and Coke and vodka. Um, a long time. Or no, Scotch. It would be Scotch. He's Scottish. A long time writer for the sports writer for the province has passed away. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, wait, 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 what is it? All right. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a clue. Okay. All right. Uh, it had a number in it. Had a number in it? Yeah. It started with a number. So he said, I'm Jack Webster and I'm rated a 10. Uh, no. no, he said, I'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. precisely. Precisely, that was his that thing. That was his thing. Like the precisely was the... Uh, yeah. 
is a gruff, a gruff old guy. You kind of have to picture a jolly. Yeah, no, yeah and, he, and he did a show guy. live. You did couldn't wiggle out of the problems and <laughs> ask you the questions about the taxes. What are people going to do? Where are they going to get that tax money from? So, I, so I was just. Who is this Santa Claus man? How can he deliver all the presents in one night? Answer me, elf! Answer <laughs> me! Well, jeez, I just work for the guy. I just want to be a dentist. <laughs> is your name Herbie? I was in, so I was reading this obituary of a, of a sports writer who just passed away that wrote for the province for many, many years. Okay. Jack Keating. And uh, it's one of those things where you read it and you go, that was a different time. Those are different so? people. You know, it just talks about how, you know, he, he uh, would regularly prop up the bar at some local watering hole. His favorite place to be, He'd go there after work and drink for an hour or so and then go home and be like, wow. Mm-hmm. Do people do that still? I doesn't feel like that's a thing that people do. Yeah, when you mentioned that, I'm thinking of where BCTV was in Burnaby, and it was in the middle of nowhere. It like, was nowhere. Yeah, Lake City. Yeah, and uh, like I really had to take a bus, just like by a ditch, then cross the ditch and walk across a field, and then you then you got to the thing. I'm trying to think like where you'd go drinking was, around there. It wasn't in, in an industrial area. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure those people went, uh, but I mean, I think Webster still had a column in the paper in those days too, though. Okay. He wasn't just a... Do you think he wrote that from... Uh, what was it? Like in, in... Was it the province or the sun? I can't remember which. I mm. uh, can't remember now. Do you think you'd write it at the actual... Oh, yeah. You'd go down you'd there. go in and... You pound, wouldn't write it, it on your typewriter. But mail it in. And you'd give it to... And then you'd give it to the girl. <laughs> That's right. Who is it? It's Denise. Give it to Denise. Give it to the copy editor. And give her a, a flirty comment. Yeah. Like, looking good, Denise. I'm like, oh, you... And then uh, take the uh, thing, and they'd, uh, she'd correct his uh, little mistakes. In the heyday of newspapers, that would have been a great place to work, I think. It always looks interesting, yeah. It looks fun. I mean, and there are lots of jobs that like weren't even like journalist jobs, just like copy editor or editor or whatever. Well, or when I went like, to read all the stuff that came over the wire. When I went, and I, I would love to take you there someday. Uh, like when I went to the New Yorker offices, and mm. we went in there, it was just like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is it. And and that real energy of like everyone's really working hard, yeah. like really really working hard. But it just had such well, a good a magazine a week. They've just a good vibe and yeah. just this beautiful art on the wall, original art, original mm. cartoons, yeah. just such a sense of history there. Mm. And then a view that's beyond belief mm. out these windows. Um, yeah, it was like are they owned by Condé Nast now? Are they in the Condé yes. Nast building? Okay, yeah. I think that's a different building than they were originally. Yeah, uh, we got Vanity Fairs in the building too, a couple other things. And then they also have, uh, I'm trying to think if it's Bon Appetit. It's, it's whatever that, uh, there's a cooking channel that used to have, um. Yeah, that's Bon Appetit. But it's Bon Appetit. Yeah. They, they used were. To have, used to have all those fun, fun YouTube videos that. Yeah. Then the whole thing tipped into the water. Then they treated one of the people badly and everyone went, Hey, you're assholes. Well, you go, shut up. And, uh, that kind of brought it all down. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah, but that that's in the building, that uh, cooking area too, which uh, don't think I wasn't thinking, boy, it'd be nice to go there. <laughs> I bet that place smells good. There's still some people who, from the original crew, that are still with Bon Appetit. But you cannot wander around that building loosely. No, I can imagine. I would. Yeah. I just gave uh, Eve a dessert person for her for Christmas as a Christmas present. What 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 what'd you give her? Uh, Claire Saffitz uh, put out a book called Dessert Person. Oh, I didn't know what that is. Okay. Yeah. So she, Does she like making desserts? Yes, that was her thing. She was the one who did the, you know, making Twix bars from scratch or making... Oh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out how to make Pringles Oh, I like her. Yeah, 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 yeah. she was really good, yeah. She was, I mean, all of them are good. And it's unfortunate. I was, I think it was Dosa who was the one who... I think that was her name who, who kind of got... I mean, there's a lot of, like, people who were kind of second level, second tier 
they would have been regarded by by the magazine and and, and you know and were kind of overlooked. So- Sola? Sola, Zola, or something. Zola, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. I Zola. like her uh, spin-off shows that she's she, done so far. She was very. She does uh, stuff with her husband Ham now, and the two of them mm-hmm. have fun together. And Ham's a, a cool little weird guy. I don't say little weird guy <laughs> condescendingly, but you know he's little and he's weird. He's he's a he's a he's a he's if kind of an oddball in a good way. Yeah, if you're being accurate, it's fine. yeah. Uh, yeah, she's very knowledgeable. I'm a weird guy too. Let's go with that. I'm a big weird guy. <laughs> so there again, I'm I'm throwing oh, stones boy. from a very Quit boasting. very glassy house. Quit boasting over there. Wish I was weird. And I can't make a full meal out of pop tarts like the two of them. Can. <laughs> no, yeah, like like I say, she's uh, very knowledgeable. Uh, she was the one that would they would often get to deconstruct a, a recipe. Yeah, an appetite to be like going to make homemade skittles. Do today. macaroni and cheese, but make it blah blah blah. And she'd just be like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll just strip it down to this, and you do that." And you're just like, "Wow, you know a lot." Hmm. They should pay you more. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to. Oh well, I guess you leave and take the house of cards with you. Yeah, the one that I watch the most is probably Sorted Food, which is. Uh... Uh, was four guys, then became three guys, and now is almost like four guys again with rotating guests. Okay. Uh, and the concept behind it was there was like, uh, two chefs and three normals originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, they, uh, were teaching the normals how to cook. And, and the normals would try their best. But it's been going on for so long that now the normals are pretty good at cooking and, uh, get, get yeah. most of the stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but they have a pretty good app that also has different recipes you can do every week. And I usually do a couple of those a week. And, uh, yeah, I kind of relate to that show. And it's all stuff that's kind of in my wheelhouse. And, mm. and they're pretty open minded to other cultures, foods as well. And so that's always interesting. Uh, my wife, uh, used to complain about their food that it was very British bland. Okay. And, uh, not, they're not wrong. <laughs> Whenever they would have a food that was like a Mexican food, it was like, oh boy, this is not even, oh no, 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 no. They would have a lot of like non-melty cheeses in things that okay. was like, this has to melt. Yeah. This has to melt. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, but no, I, I do like it quite a bit. I mean, that's interesting in the sense of like, you know, non-melty cheese is kind of like, they have to cook with what's available to them. But they got melty cheese in England. I don't know. They're not, you know, I was going to say they're not an island. Kind of, I guess. <laughs> they're not an island. But they got, a, you know what? You know, uh, for, for all I just I just talked about yeah. that, yeah. I'm wrong. Uh, there's a real cheese shortage right now in England. That's mm. a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, because they, they fucked it up. Because of Brexit. Because yeah. of Brexit. Yeah. So they owe about 95% of their cheese to the rest of the world. Yeah. So they've got about 5% of, of British produced cheese in Britain. Yeah. Now, so yeah, there and uh, and anything else that's coming back across, like they 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 you know export their cheese, mm. and then if you want that cheese, you got to import it again, and then that throws a whole bunch of taxes onto it. Yeah. So all their cheese is through the roof right now, and yeah. they're a very cheesy culture. Yeah, they are. So yeah, maybe that is why they were having uh, bad cheese. That's uh, don't leave uh, Europe is the uh, is the lesson learned. That's E's comment on our fridge all the time is it's just full of cheese, which is true. Is that a good comment or a bad comment? It's more. It's kind of like um, pointed. <laughs> it's a pointed comment. Oh, you got a lot of cheese. Now, does she then eat some cheese? Cause, she cause, she partakes, but yeah, I just think she thinks there's too much cheese in our fridge. And you should have more veg or more meat. Or I don't what know. Is, I don't know what she. Yeah, okay. probably more veg would be okay. Pleasing to her. Is she a vegetarian? She's she? not a vegetarian. Okay. She's not even a cheesetarian. She's okay. Just, she's an eatitarian, but uh, just I just think she just thinks that's typical of us. You know, like. Like their fridge, like if I went, if I looked at the girls' fridge, it would have different items in it than our fridge mm-hmm. because we're very meat and cheesy, I guess. But also, I do like cheese a lot. 
Well, they doing. they had more exposure growing up to uh, different foods than uh, we did for sure. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like I remember having sushi for the very first time, and it was like I was well, you know, into you know being what you would maybe call a man. Yeah, you know, and uh, I even remember Jesus Christ. I remember like when uh, potatoes started to have skins on them, and it was like, <laughs> whoa, what's this about? You know, that was early teens. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that was a big deal. And huh. you had to go to a place. There was a place called Mr. Munchies. Okay. That had, okay, first of all, chicken fingers. What's this about? You never knew chickens had fingers. You never knew chickens had fingers. But it was just like, it's just the parts of the chicken that you like. It's like, what? Yeah, it's, well, you don't have to like work your way around a bone. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to like, you know, it's not awkward. It's just like, just eat them, man. Just eat them. And you don't have to get rid of a bunch of bones afterwards. Fantastic. Yeah. And also, you could get, um, Chicken, uh, sorry, uh, potato skins. It's like okay. potato skins. Well, that's garbage. Yeah, but we like take the potato out and then we put yeah. the potato back in, but with like bacon and some cream and some uh, chives and stuff. Like, all right. And then what do you do with those horrible potato skins? You eat them. No. Yeah, I dare you. I dare you to eat a potato skin. Okay. It was good. I've always eaten the potato skins, so. Well, you didn't when you were a little kid. Yeah. No, no one ate potato skins then. They were poisoned. You didn't no, know. No. How did you know? You, when you eat a baked potato, don't you eat the, the skin? You weren't eating baked potatoes when you were like a little kid. Yeah. How how little a kid? Because I, I distinctly remember the remember. potato skins were just like, were like everyone was shocked. There was things on the radio about it. Oh, yeah. They were like, do you know they serve potato skins? Potato skin? Like they couldn't believe it. No, uh, baked potatoes Maybe were it was a common, very different here. A common food in my house. Okay, fine. All right, it's common food. I ask, I ask you out there. Then, when did you start uh, having having that? If you were of a similar age of uh, of David and myself, mm. yeah, I still eat the potato skin. That's that's how I eat a baked potato. It's gone. Mm-hmm. When I'm then it's gone. No, uh, that's good. It's the most nutritious part of the potato. You should eat the potato oh, is that skin. Right? Yeah, I'll tell Lisa that she doesn't eat her skin. But, uh, well, yeah. I've got friends who don't eat their uh, pizza crust, so you know I'm not. She one doesn't of the eat judge. her pizza crust either, but she gives them to me, so that's fine. Here's what I think sometimes when I see someone who is uh, doesn't eat uh, pizza crust. Yeah. Uh, So you had money. (laughs) Like that's what it feels like. It feels like I can sort of tell how much money your parents had, and it was like it was enough that it didn't bother them to see you uh, leave a chunk of your pizza on the plate (laughs) and would allow you then to have another piece of pizza. Well, you remember that Lisa did not have pizza growing up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And I think she just feels like there, it's enough, to like you know, like it's too much bread. So she likes the pizza part of it, but the crust she can do without. Like, I know there was kids in my school that would have the crust cut off their sandwiches because mm-hmm. they didn't like crust. That's weird. And, uh, I mean, that wouldn't fly in our house. <laughs> no. They're not throwing food in the garbage, but for me, in, yeah. no, in no way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, no. You know, I mean, if I, if I could then have convinced my mom... You know, you could cut those up and make your own breadcrumbs and save money. Maybe I'd get away with it. Uh, <laughs> but that would be the only way I could do it is to show her some way of doing that. Sure, sure. If you can take all those, make bread pudding. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, save, save them up over the week. <laughs> put them in the freezer. Take them out. Uh, a little custard. Boom, boom. Bread pudding. We're all happy. Every, everything works out fine. But you, I didn't know that then. Well, wait, it's a damn child. I just think it's so you'd be you don't want them on your sandwich, but you'd be fine eating bread crust in your bread pudding. Yeah, it's a very different texture. Okay. You've made it into like cake. <laughs> you don't like bread crust? Well, back then I didn't. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I make bread and probably <laughs> you have to like it. So I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. 
But that, I could see as a kid, you're eating, you know, delicious sandwich, and then you get to a part that's chewy and weird and brown. You go like, I don't want this. This seems wrong. This seems off. The texture change. Uh, yeah, I, could, I, I get that. But you, you get used to it. And it's also it's the healthiest part of the bread, I think. Don't know why it would be. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. No, I'm confusing it with a baked potato. I think you are. I think you just, There's no way the extra nutrients comes in from being darker. Yeah, I mean the candy coating of a smarty. It's the most nutritious part of a smarty. If you kept, uh, if you kept cooking the bread, would it be all crust? Because it's if you the kept same. Cooking the bread. Would yeah, it be all because crust? like when you're cooking the bread, right? Yeah. Baking the bread. Yeah. Uh, the, all parts of that dough are the same the middle is the same as the outside mm-hmm. it's not like there's outside it's bits true. that are crust yep. so like does it all have the potential to turn to crust and if you cooked it evenly through the whole thing would it be an all crust loaf like i mean yes you would have to have some heating element inside of it that would like heat it from the inside but even then you probably wouldn't have the dry well, it just, heat it would just be, be like a, it would just be, be dry moist it would just be dry bread hmm you know, because you're just talking about making breadcrumbs. Which right, right, right. You make breadcrumbs by taking your old bread and drying it in the oven and then yeah. cr- crunching it up. Right. So you could do that, but I don't know why you'd want to. <laughs> when you make stuffing, yeah. do you uh, dry your breadcrumbs in the oven or do you leave them out? I don't dry I don't, I don't uh, dry them. I just use, I use moist bread, like fresh bread. Oh, okay. Freshly made bread. I want it as fresh as possible. Really? Yep. Oh, that's quite the opposite of what uh, I've been told. Go and ahead. And then I just... Uh, and then I just process it in, in a food processor. Okay. Like I just tear off chunks of bread and then I just throw them into the processor and sure. zip them a little bit. I don't want them t- really small, but just into, you know, kind of, I don't know, pea-sized bits or whatever, like that kind of. And then I just you know, keep doing, keep working that. This, Sometimes there's bigger and smaller bits. This know? year I had the emergency of uh, forgetting the celery when I'd made it. Ooh, like, God damn it. That's bad. Uh, so that's I, bad I grabbed a fry pan, I cooked up some celery, and I mixed it in. You know, uh, admitting my mistake to everybody. Um, but it went over better. Like, it was actually like the um, celery was a little crisper than mm. it would have been uh, normally. Yeah. And it made for a nice uh, texture difference. And uh, it was like, oh, probably end up doing it this way in the future. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mistakes. Happy mistakes. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I just like it as one amorphous, big homogenous lump. Yeah. And I do. Thing. I made a lot of stuffing, too, this year. Uh, because as again, children, we were not allowed to have a lot of stuffing. <laughs> was, this stuffing would run out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah, I want it for sandwiches as well as yeah. You want it? You yeah. want a lot of this stuff? Like yeah, yeah. what do you? And also, it's not expensive. What's wrong with you? Just make a load of stuffing. <laughs> well, we had we had what did we have? We had eight eight people for dinner or more? Yeah, we had eight eight people. Yeah, for we had about. Oof, do we have eight or ten? We had one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight. We had eight people. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we didn't have like a ton of turkey left over. We didn't have a ton of stuffing left over. So that was nice too, actually, because, you know, I mean, I'll put up with the turkey, left leftover turkey, but I'm not a big fan of leftovers. So You don't like the sandwiches? I do like the sandwiches, but once the stuffing's out, I'm like, well, what do we do with this? Throw it in the garbage? Let's make soup. I made a turkey pot pie. Yeah. So that was good. And then I, then I, so I use a lot of the, the brown meat for that, a lot of the bottom, bottom of the bird. And then, uh, and then sandwiches, obviously, and then. The rest went went for soup. Yeah, you make a stock out of the bones and yeah, stuff, and then, yeah. yeah, and then keep some of the meat aside just to throw in as, yep. as a as a delicious meat. It was good. Some barley, some carrots. Usually, I'll have some celery left over too and stuff, so I'll freeze that, put that off to the side, and put that in the soup as well, or carrots as well. Freeze yeah. those. Put it all just in a little uh, ziploc bag, put it in the freezer, and then put them in. And then yeah, <clears throat> and then you know, does someone have a cold? Over the uh, holidays, <laughs> oh, someone always has a cold. It's like, well, I got some soup. And then we go. Speaking of which, how are you feeling? 
Oh, fine. Good. Yeah. Sorry you were going through that. Uh... Yeah, I kind of caught, uh, I guess I caught the tail end of Lisa's cold, and then I, but I didn't have it as, as badly as she did. She was really knocked, knocked in her behind by oh, it. Oh, sorry. That's a drag. Which, which she initially got it. And I just had like a bad cough and a, and a super runny nose, so I just didn't want to spread it. And we were, you know, obviously you were going over to our friends, uh, one of whom has, you know, compromised well, every, every, I mean, everyone's so. got a situation like, you know, uh, you know, my wife has asthma and, uh, you know, uh, our, our other friends, they live with their mother who's, uh, who's you know, compromised. And mm. so you don't want to be spreading anything yeah, that, and that yeah. and that. So, yeah, we did the old uh, masking up, window open, <laughs> six feet apart, you know, and, uh, you know, we're looking away every time you coughed. So as far as I know, I didn't uh, I didn't catch anything. I got. Uh, there was some, there, I think that we have something in our sink that's like a little bit of mold that's been triggering us when we're like, cause it's, oh, really? it's really only in this one kind of area mm. and we get like headaches. And it's stuff. inside the sink itself. I believe it's probably trapped in the, in the drain bit. All right. Well, you know what to do, right? Uh, Put, pour hot water down the drain. Yes, sir. Then you... Baking Bakes, soda, baking so- yes. vinegar, yes. and then put a cloth over that's it. That's right, and you hold it. Yeah, yeah there you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's did good. you see that video this week? Because I know it's around. an old trick. Yeah. Yeah. It's an old. Trick. Yeah, I did. I wasn't doing the holding the cloth over it bit. That's that's the because uh, that blows it uh, all the way down. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing you got to do. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be doing uh, I'll be doing that after this. It's a regular. I, I got a meeting after. I got a Zoom <laughs> meeting after this. Then I'm going to be uh, blowing my sink. Wait, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> and then back to then back to writing because I still got uh, deadlines to do until the 15th. Uh, that's the big hard hard deadline. Oh, the real deadline. Hard deadline. So was the other deadline a self-imposed deadline or is no it... no? Oh, it was, oh. A, it was a deadline. Oh, okay. But it wasn't the hard deadline. Okay, this is the uh, yeah. hard deadline. Yeah. Listen, uh, publishing houses know writers. They know them. Yeah. And so like, here's your deadline. Okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> What are we saying to each other here? We're saying this is the deadline? Yeah, we're saying that. And you should make your deadline. And you really should make your deadline. And I'm angry at myself for not making the deadline. But then there's the hard deadline. Yes, the the, the actual books, there, we book schedule. We need to get this shit out. Yeah, we got to get it going. And it's, you know, it's Because gonna... you need to go in this point to yes, the printers. that's correct. So Because we don't, if we don't have a book to send there, then we have an empty spot in our... That's absolutely correct. <laughs> and uh, you know what? That kind of pressure is really what doesn't make you right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll run faster if we throw rocks at him. Um <laughs> Maybe, or maybe you hit him in the knee, and uh, is that right? I'm a I'm I'm a pressure person. Me, me, generally I too. Like, I I mean, I don't like it, but I need it. I need. But it. there is there. Ha- but the one thing that's happened for the last, let's say, month is about almost always eleven thirty a.m. It can be eleven. It can be noon. Daily crisis. Something happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something goes. Oh, this has to. Yeah, yeah. Something goes amiss that yeah, needs yeah. dealing with immediately. Yeah. And then you got to go deal with, and that's not counting Christmas. That's not counting the days where actually we're having people over for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day sure, sure. or what have you. Yeah. And then it's just like, yeah, here's your daily crisis. Like yesterday's daily crisis, I was like, oh, it's a little late. And that's when uh, Pia told me we have no hot water. Hot water's out. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a daily crisis. Well, that let's is try a daily and figure crisis. this out. Yeah. But do you have an electric heater or is it? Uh, yeah, we do have an electric heater. And, uh, do the and fuse so, pop on it? What's that? Did the fuse go or something? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but what, what everyone told me, uh, yeah. as in like two people, 
But like, we'll check the pilot light. Well, there's no pilot light. No, the pilot light because it's electric. Yeah. yeah, there's no fucking pilot light. But yeah. for some reason, everyone still thinks there's a pilot light. So no, I looked no, no. up online and I was like, is there a pilot light for this? No, there's no pilot I didn't think there was a pilot light. But then I found a switch okay. that was an on and off switch. Oh. So I went, well, let's try the old turning it off and on. So it basically turned everything off. Wait, wait, wait. Turn everything on. Wait, wait, wait. Wait like 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, we got it going again. Oh, that's so good. So it was all right. That's good. So it's not like a big, mm. well, I'm the smartest guy in the world and I figured out how to do shit. <laughs> but it was enough time. That like threw everything else off, kind of schedule sure. wise. Sure. And uh, yeah, I was like, but every day there's something along those lines. There's like, you know, a call from a friend who's going through a really tough time at the moment, just like feeling really shitty. I'm like, okay, well, let's go. Let's go to lunch. We're gonna go to lunch. We're just gonna talk through stuff. Boom. Because people are having a hard time around this time of year, or or just something else occurs, and it's like, all right, gotta go deal with that. And it's like every day, like around eleven, almost always on the on the button. Yeah, that's crisis time. Oh, I've been there. I've been there. It's funny when you have time off work, you're like, oh, I got some time. I'll be able to get some stuff done. Nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, you might as well say, I'm going to get work done on the plane on the way to this place. <laughs> oh, are you? That's fun. You're funny. No, no, I really am. I got all this time. Yeah, I got hours. <laughs> yeah, on the plane, huh? Yeah. Oh, no, you'll be fine. Yeah. Get a lot of work done. Good luck. Then you see him afterwards. How was all that work you got done? Did you get done at the airport while you were waiting? <laughs> no, I had to go look look up and every five seconds and see if like, the lineup was starting. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously there are people. I mean, there are people who can. There are people who can. It's funny when I when when we were doing Sparks, is that working with Nina was very nice because she's very or very organized and very you know very driven. So it's very regular. Yeah. There's no excuse for me to to be my usual procrastinating self. You know, it's just kind of like, well, oop, more pages came. Better get better get these done. You know, so that kind of keeps you because she has a schedule. So then you keep that kind of kind of keeps that schedule, and so. You know, unlike the last book where, uh, you know, the end, end of it was just a mess. Um, when we finished this one, even though they, they uh, took a week off of our, our deadline, they, they, you know, they wanted it a week ahead of time. Yeah. We were still like perfectly fine because we were. So I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that, by the way, on this book. Too. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that to come up. a week. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to wait. I'm waiting for. Yeah. At some point, yeah. they're going to be like. I think that's sort of near the end sort of thing because then they realize, oh, our schedule is not working the way we thought it would. So we need to get this book in yeah. quicker. Quicker. So. Well, no, what they're really yeah. saying, I mean, honestly, in, in that situation is someone else uh, screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And we got to fill it with this. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And because we got a hole, and now, I know, yeah, they weren't demand like they weren't demanding it. They were asking, "Is it possible to do this?" Right, because if it's not you, then they're going to go to the next book mm-hmm. and get that next book out there because they've got so many books that yeah. are out there. And yeah, someone, someone like me, uh, didn't make their <laughs> deadline, and so they needed to uh, move something up. Yeah, I imagine with the writing, with the with the with the art, there is a bit of a cushion that they must they must put into their into their thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have a little bit of wiggle room, but mm-hmm. the more you wiggle, the more less room you have. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going through probably a situation now where, you know, like anything that becomes incredibly successful, uh, that's a, its own burden, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like uh, yeah. they've got to figure out how to get this much product out. Well, that's you know. it. Yeah, yeah. And like any company, what your processes work to this level. Yeah. But when you go to a different level, those processes. Yeah. Then when you become the work. most successful type of comics in the world, yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, and there's this enormous demand, and your books are selling not that ours did, uh, yet <laughs> in the millions. Yeah. We sold in the hundreds of thousands, but they sold in the millions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It changes. It changes a lot of shit. Things. Mm-hmm. Things. Things are different. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they got to catch up. And sometimes businesses catch up, and sometimes businesses don't catch up. Yeah, yeah. It, it'd be interesting to see how often success destroys businesses. Where like all of a sudden your product yeah. is so popular and you can't keep up mm-hmm. with the uh, demand, and then that uh, makes you collapse. It's, yeah, or not, just again, I mean, not that I'm saying that's going to happen here. Not even. It could be gradual too. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's most most painful for for family companies, for family owned businesses, because those are our families. You know, and so, but some of that family are dead weight that are holding holding back other parts of the business from succeeding. You know, and so you have to, you have the painful thing you have to go through where you have to hire people who aren't family to run your company mm-hmm. because they're they're they don't have an emotional attachment to the people who aren't working out. Yeah, you know, so uh, they're, they're the one they can drop they can drop the hammer on on Uncle Steve who's not really doing his Dude, you know, he's not. I don't know what. Why do we hire Steve to run the shipping anyway? He was a, he was a, you know, he was working as a truck driver before. I mean, I guess that's something to do with shipping, but uh, you know, what did he know about it? Why did, we didn't even have a logistical. Oh well. You used to work for a family family business. Yes, I did work for a family yeah. family business, and and I work for a family business now. Mm. The, the company I work for now is a family business. It's owned by a family. They have family members work within the company, and the company did have growing pains. You know. Five years, or like the last five years, they've had a lot of growing pains because they had people in place who were old timers who had those positions because they'd always been in the, with sure. the company, yeah, and they were always there, but they weren't necessarily, you know, the best person for that position. No, they anymore. don't have the motivation to make things better. They they don't. This, yeah, this is just what it is, and this is or where they just I wing am. it. They're just winging it. Yeah, yeah. You There's, do you do the bare minimum, and because yeah. it's you, you know, you're not going to lose your job. And you're not going to probably benefit too much if you do better at your job, you know. So what's the point? You just do your job. It's yeah. a job. During during the heady days of COVID, uh, one of the really one of the old really old guys who ran like all the shipping, he retired. And when he left, you know, he left a big gap. He left a big knowledge gap because he hadn't trained anyone up to into his job. He was he was the master of everything that he you know. And if he wanted anything, you had to call him. He wouldn't do emails. Right. So he was he was inaccessible through like the most popular form of business communication currently, emails. So you had to phone and talk to him in person. And Make then when, notes. When he was gone for about six months, this company from back east called and they were like, "Hey, where's our trailer of our, with our stuff?" And the company's like, uh, "There's there's no order here for." They go, "Oh, we didn't order a former guy. He would just throw together a trailer and send it to us." Mm. And but no one knew that he just did it. You know, he just he would just do all the invoicing and stuff himself and just send it off. And so then what happened was this company really needed product. So in the time of like this restricted, you know, materials, you know, uh, during COVID world, uh, we suddenly had to like funnel all this product away from other branches to supply this company with stuff they needed because we, you know, you just don't want to leave them stranded. This was an agreed to situation that no one knew about, but obviously had gone on for years and years. And so... Suddenly, everyone who needed doors and needed this and that didn't get them because it all had to go to this one company. Yeah, and so it created a real scrambling. You know, a few months of scrambling was as suddenly customers' orders went from, you know, we'll get it to you in two months to we'll get it to you in four months. And, you know. and so, uh, That's yeah, good for their reputation. But this is an example of you know what can happen with family companies because he's always been there. You know, we can't get rid of so and so. No one knows the job like he does. You know, but actually, now that he's gone, it's way more efficient. Like we, our product comes way more efficiently. You know, we get we get all our all our inventory 
uh, min-maxes are all met regularly by the trailers coming in. Whereas before it was just complete, you know, luck of the <laughs> luck of the draw. You might get what you need or you might not. You might not see any product that you were short on for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And one day it would just kind of show up and be like, yay, it's here. But you didn't really understand like what the what the method was because there was no method. It was just kind of like, oh, well, put some on this trailer, put some on that trailer. I think there's also sometimes in businesses uh, you don't want to tell your method because it uh, guarantees you're needed then. You can never be laid off. You can never uh, be gone because you're the only one who knows <clears throat> yeah. if you, uh, how uh, the system works. If you're, uh, yeah, if you ha- if you are, are um, I guess that would be people who have like particularly people with imposter syndrome, and that would also be people that would often describe people who have risen up in a company like that, who feel like they're in a position now where they don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, they ha- can't admit it, but have to hide it behind a, a wall of. And often or they a wall do of- shortcuts that aren't the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that gets the job done and creates the illusion that they know what they're doing. Exactly. And so, yeah, you, you, but you have to kind of out obfuscate what you do because if you really said to someone, "Well, like, what's your system that you have here?" Oh, I don't really have a system. I just like. Put stuff on different trailers and, and hope it gets to the branches, you know. Yeah. Like, how do you? Well, how do you know what what they need? Oh, I just guess. You know, I don't. It feels know. Like that's it's <laughs> we, it's weird. That kind of reminds me of sometimes when you know we're going to have uh, people over and I have to do a big cleanup, yeah. like upstairs. Yeah. And uh, and and P is asking me if like she, uh, what can I do to help? And for the most part, I'm like, ah, it's okay, I'll do it. And it feels like you know, oh, he's being the martyr or whatever. And it's just like I know she'll want to do it right. <laughs> and I've got to just get it done. And some of that is just sure. moving this to there. That's where it's not seen. Mm. And, you know, not everything is going to be like, you know, done in the right way. But yeah, yeah. but but at the end of it, it's going to look better and it'll look fine. And then we can like do yeah. the real thing later on. Sure. And, uh, you know, as long as I don't forget that there's a bunch mm-hmm. of fruit in that bottom drawer, <laughs> which I did, and then it turned moldy, and then I opened the drawer, and a, and a big cloud came out, oh, and yeah. I had to clean that. <laughs> Luckily, it was our vinegar drawer, and I had vinegar, and I could use the vinegar, and the vinegar was good. Um, yeah. You don't want to, you don't a, want to be called out. That is a mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably the only person who comes here with a white glove and yeah, yeah. goes along and runs my finger along all the surfaces. And looks at it in tisks. Well, this is yeah. This is this was something that I definitely had to get in the mindset of and kind of spread online, saying you know, look, no one cares. Like they literally <laughs> no no one cares. Yeah. And you know, don't try to make your place look perfect. Try to make it look welcoming. Mm-hmm. You know, and welcoming can sometimes mean not perfect. Because yeah. if your place looks perfect, then people don't want to like do anything because you don't want to wreck the perfect everything. Yeah, yeah. But if it looks kind of like. A little lived in and relaxed, like come on, sit down. All right, yeah, we're fine. Leave your shoes on if you want. It's a, it's fine. Everything's okay. Just you know, we're just glad to have you here. Floof. Yeah. I uh, when you're talking about family business, I wrote a, an essay this week because I kind of got into this. I was trying. There was something that happened uh, over Christmas. Yeah. Where like I one one day we had the Christmas Eve kind of orphans Christmas uh, Eve, which was. If you don't have a place to go, like Christmas Eve, you know, just we're going to have like our door open from like four on, just come and hang out. So, because yeah. we knew some friends that were, were having like their first Christmas without their kids. Okay. And, uh, and so it was like, okay. And then we realized there was a bunch of other people that were in a similar situation. And every time someone came, you saying, consider yourself at home. Um, consider yourself part of the family. First play I ever did, had to sing that song. So, yes. <laughs> Is there any song from Oliver you'd like me to sing? I can probably do it. <laughs> right. That's the only one I know, I think. Uh, oh, okay. Very good. 
why should we break our backs foolishly paying tax? Better get some untaxed income. Better pick a bucket or two. You've got to pick a bucket or two, boy. Better pick a bucket or two. Anyway. Don't know uh, that one. That's a, that's a good Fagan number. Sure. And it bothers me at the end of Oliver where Fagan is apparently hanged because you can't hang a person who had a musical number. That's <laughs> the rule. Which is why it's nice in the Artful Dodger uh, TV show, Fagan's okay. Okay. Fagan kind of faked his death and it was a thing. Uh, but yeah, we so we had friends over and it was oh, really it was really nice. And then afterwards, it had fr- and also it had my family over and we we invited our neighbor and uh, everyone was getting along. It was a lot of laughs both both nights. And and um, and afterwards, got a lot of nice emails from you. Got nice friends. It was like this, and it had a similar thing when uh, we had Pia's birthday here. It was just like, well, you got really good friends and nice friends. And I remember the situation used to be your friends are mean. I used to get a lot of that. Oh, really? Yeah, I got that from you once uh, too. We were talking about some <laughs> friends of mine. It's just like your friends are really mean. I had some and I'm notes. Like, huh, interesting. And 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 it made me go like, oh yeah, I guess like, uh, it, it, I don't know if it's necessarily true. Uh, but like definitely comes, a, came across was, that way. They were, they were mean. It's so, what's that? I said they were mean. No, I just, Sure, I sure. Maybe they remember. were. I don't remember now. It was probably, I think we rode in a bus somewhere with some people and they were just hacking on you the whole time and I was just like, oh my God. Oh, were they? Okay. Fair enough. It wasn't me. Either you were the, you were the one who was getting hacked on. I was just yeah. like, ugh, this is yucky. Yeah. To the point where we had a term called getting hacked on. <laughs> when you've got a slang term for it, you know there's something there. But it made me kind of uh, wonder like, yeah, you know, like it, from like, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, backstage at like comedy clubs and especially improv, it was really dark. There was a lot of like, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like meanness. Yeah. But, and, but you know, we didn't at the time think we were being no, mean. No. And I was like, what was that about? <laughs> and I, and so, yeah, I wrote a little uh, essay, uh, essay about that and what I thought mm. was the mindset. And I, what I think the mindset was, was that... We didn't think like the kind of uh, hippie uh, vibe of outwardly, hey, we're all love. It's all about love. But then if you really got to know a lot of these people, they were really sexist. They were really mean. If there was anything that was like a little bit beyond what they were used to, they rejected it very, very hardly. You're talking about hippies? Hippies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, nowadays there's a lot of people who are like very anti-trans who you go like, but you were like with all these marches and you were like very left wing. And it's like, yeah, we can't have these, <laughs> you know, trans people like changing in the same change rooms. Mm-hmm. And so, and they blocked it into, you know, it's, it's just, it's like, uh, it's anti-feminist to, to be a, a, a pro trans. I was like, no, it's not at all. So, but, but what we, I think thought was that that outwardly love thing was bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I had a term called hippie fascist. So, so yeah, if you if you were the opposite, yeah. which was outwardly you were a little snarky and mean to people because you knew that you weren't sexist, racist, homophobic. You knew you weren't, and you and too, I too too extremely sexist, right. racist, homophobic. Anyway, right? But do you <laughs> like we can get into the reality later? But you think yourself, I'm not homophobic. Yeah. So I'm going to tell this gay joke yeah. because you know that I'm not homophobic. Yeah. So because we both know that, and yeah, I know just, you're not, we're just being trans, trans- <laughs> transgressive. Sure, sure. Yeah. We're being shocking. Yeah. And we're being shocking using language mm-hmm. that uh, is shocking language. But again. South Park style, because we know we're not really for the thing. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Whereas, the, you know, you get something. They had a similar thing, I guess, with like All in the Family, 
uh, were like, well, we're not pro Archie Bunker, but, you know, look, man, the thing about that show was you did get the laugh from the joke he told. Yeah. That laugh was gotten. Yeah. And now you have someone zinging him afterwards, but you also got the laugh from the thing that was told. Uh, but anyway, that's getting into the dissection of it. I think our mindset was because there's no prejudice anymore. And I think that was the feeling of the 90s was we Sure, sure. We conquered. We've conquered all prejudice. We've conquered all prejudice. That was a thing of the past. Yeah. It's done. Uh, we can be this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you would, you would, uh, be shocking and snarky. And the other thing in your nobility as an artist was if I can say anything, then we can talk about anything and then we can do better things. And we're actually open to talk about the important things. And if we're allowed to do that, then we can do anything and things will be better. And it's positive. And, and that was the thought process. And that's how it went. And, and so you ended up with these like areas where it's like, Oh my God, if you just walked into it, what the fuck is being said? <laughs> you know, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I was watching a Paul Provenza, uh, series called The Green Room. And it's all these comedians telling jokes and talking about their process. And it's a very good series, but it starts with Paul. I think it's Paul Provenza is his name. Uh, says, you know, hey, you can come and hang if you want to the audience. You can come and hang if you want. But if you've ever been offended by anything, don't come. And that was the idea was they're going to talk about all this offensive stuff. Yeah. And that's okay. It's fine because they're comedians and that's what they do. Yeah. And here we go. And, and you start the show and yeah, they would be doing, you know, edgy jokes. Sure. But you would, you, because they were, you know, you know, they're good people. So it's okay. <laughs> but then the flaw to the system then is that we are flawed as human beings. And some people are actually bullies mm-hmm. and they will, they will be bullies while doing that kind of thing. And other people do have prejudices and they will do those jokes and they will believe certain truths to them. Mm-hmm. And then people will be new people that will join the group and there'll be a power dynamic change. And I think this is the biggest part is like the only way that works is if everyone is on the same level power wise. Mm. But if you've got someone who can tell certain jokes and someone who can't tell certain jokes, then you can't do the crazy offensive jokes. Because then they are what they are. It only works if everyone is 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 equal. Mm. And with new people there, probably that's not going to be the case. And I think that's what ended up happening was new people came in. They couldn't tell those jokes. They just saw these people telling these horrible, horrible things. And then, you know, all this, you say something long enough, sometimes it becomes true and yeah. dark and ugh. And if you're on the bus with me and some people are hacking <laughs> on me... You know, you're, I'm seeing it as I'm getting attention and love. Yeah. They care about me. I'm part of the group. Yeah. I could do this back to them and we're, we're, we are friends. This, they're saying that we're friends by saying these awful things to me. Mm. You're seeing it as like, that's awful what they're saying to you. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, but I know it's not real. Uh-huh. And you're going, I think it might be real. I think there might be some real reality to this or there's some, some badness to this. Oh, I, oh no, you're wrong, outsider. You don't see <laughs> what we see. Yeah. Yeah. We're still friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just an interesting dynamic. And then, you know, that all had to kind of get uh, flushed away. Mm. And uh, I think yeah. it also becomes, you know. It's still the, the same now, though. You know. Oh, sure. Like the comedian on the stage, you know, making trans jokes or whatever, they know they're not against trans, but they don't know the mindset of the audience who are laughing and are celebrating what they're doing. You know, like, you know, you're bringing in people. With your jokes, who are legitimately anti-trans and want to hear you make fun of trans people, right? They're not thinking, "Oh, this is funny because it's transgressive," and he's kind of breaking. Well, I think like, bound, you I know, think breaking. Chappelle's argument was that trans people are skipping the line, 
and that they're they're wanting more rights than uh, black people have wanted. And it was a slow process for black people to get these rights. Mm-hmm. And and trans people are now going, no, I yeah. want all those rights. And yeah. by the way, yeah. And by the way, Dave Chappelle, what about black trans people? That's even worse. That's not, that's the, that's the subtext. That's, but that's always been the subtext to a lot of, uh, stand up like that, which is, you know, you look at like Damon Wayans stand up or Eddie Murphy's stand up Mm. and it's like very anti gay. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, there's black gay people too, Mm -hmm. but there isn't in the mindset. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, you know, uh, Bronson Pinchot. It's like, it's, it's that, it's that kind of, uh, thing. Yeah, and you know, it's us versus them uh, is always a good place to start. Mm-hmm. You want to get the whole audience on your side agreeing to something, yeah. And that's that's a way that's a way to do it. Um, but on the flip side of it, because I think it always comes down then to human nature in these groupings. It's like the people that were, when the new people were coming in and going, "Whoa!" The people that were being insulting were also fearful because the new people coming in were their replacements. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing younger versions often of themselves come in, and and that's the thing that people fear the most <laughs> uh, because one now you've got a sense of mortality both actual and also career wise yeah. because why do they need me if they've got a younger version? So you're a little mean to that. The, that person you're yeah. putting them down and so you break into you know you become the gatekeeper trying to keep that person out because it's a danger to you and gatekeepers are where this all fucks up but nowadays whereas i don't believe that there's actual cancel culture i don't think that's really a, a thing that's something people like to kind of make up but there are people that do when someone says something want to go aha and like you know go uh point it out point it out point it out point it out uh and in a way the only reason people do the shitty material quite often is because they want to be liked, because they're afraid, because this is scary, because they're learning as they go along, mm-hmm. and everyone fucks up, and we all use, you know, anyone in stand-up has got sets that they're like, ooh, uh, about. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, nowadays, they're almost all recorded, so yeah. you can still see them. Uh, but the people that are trying to go like, oh, they said this one horrible thing, you know, let's just keep repeating what the horrible thing they said. First of all, you're spreading the horrible thing they said. Uh, but you're also gatekeepers now. You're trying to keep them away from this instead of like, you know, just reward the good shit that they're saying and then they'll do the good shit. That's really the way to get, get around it. If Dave Chappelle was getting attention for the other material he was doing, he would do the other fucking material. But when every article is about this, that's the first thing he's going to do when he comes out in his special. He's going to do it because that's the thing that is in the room to be talked about. Did you and watch his most recent special? I watched the first joke. Oh, is that all you got <laughs> yeah. to? Uh, yeah, it was the first joke was was that. With the trans one, was it? He yeah. told the story and then he goes, that's how I feel about trans people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. He went to, you know, with uh, with not telling it in a funny way, though I don't think there was a lot of funny up to it. It was like one of those long, long things until a twist at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was he wanted to meet Jim Carrey and went and oh, saw that's Jim Carrey right. on yeah. Man on the Moon. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and then, you know, he you had to address him as Andy. And, you know, he wanted to meet Jim Carrey, and that was upsetting to him. And that's how I feel about trans people. And the audience, woo! It's like oh, he's talking about you know it's a double it's a double zammer yeah yeah uh, zing zam and people are yeah people, I think people are wooing now because they're like well we know that you're getting in trouble for this and yet you keep doing it so we're gonna whoop because oh you're being so yeah daring 
Where in to the keep story, in front I mean, the flaw to me in the story is you went to see someone at work. Yeah, yeah. And part of his process was staying in character. Yeah, yeah. And the example I, I, I compared it to was yeah. you went to see your friend who's playing Santa at the mall. <laughs> and you went, hey, Doug. And he went, I'm not Doug, I'm Santa. Yeah. And everyone went, call him Santa. It's like, but that's Doug. Yeah, yeah. No, he's dressed as Santa. <laughs> call him fucking Santa. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going because I know that's Doug. It's like okay, man. You, <laughs> you know how a movie set works. There's no excuse for this. You know, Jim Carrey obviously was doing an extreme situation in 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 in, in yeah, that yeah. thing. But that's I, part of his damn wanna, method. I don't want to defend Jim Carrey, who I think was being like a little uh, a nuisance, a bit of a nuisance on the set of Man on the Moon. But uh, but if you know what, I think if let's if, ask Milos Forman what he thought of the <laughs> right. But I, I'll I'll flip it around. And I think the the problem there is because. Jim Carrey is a comedian. Mm. You feel he should be nicer. He should be more open. He should be these other things. Yeah. If it was Daniel Day Lewis, anyone, anyway, I went to see oh, Daniel Day Lewis on the set yeah. of so and so, and he kept the accent going when he talked to me, and it really bugged me because that's not what Daniel Day Lewis talks like. It's like, yeah, he's staying in character because yeah. he's on set yeah. right now. I know you're saying like he's talking to you, but he's also being paid right now to be this yeah. and paid a lot. So maybe let him do his method and his job isn't to entertain you on the set of this multi-million dollar movie. It's to be the fucking character. And if it works and it gets him an Oscar, great. (laughs) It's his process. Will Smith didn't have sex for a year when he was playing Muhammad Ali. Really? Yes. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Was that your business? I don't know. (laughs) I didn't even know that. I'm I'm more like... And his marriage is fine. Yes. Wait a minute. That's right. I was, I was going to make a, a, a mean joke, but I didn't. Because mm-hmm. I'm nice. Right. Those days are past me. When I was going to say Jada, what Jada still did. But you know what? I, I would never say that. Yeah. I would never you say just that. Picture like, you just picture like, <laughs> and he didn't have sex for the entire production. Oh, my God. Then he went up and he won an Academy Award and he just came on stage. <laughs> <laughs> You're just waiting Twice. for this one, yeah. One, yeah. one moment and didn't win the Academy Award. Um, I did watch all of that Dave Chappelle special, by the way, on New Year's oh, Eve. Oh, okay. Um, How's it compared to his others? I think his others are better. There's one that I love. I think it's really good. He talks about, in that one, he talks about family. and he does Clo- Closer? Which one is it? Uh, the one about kicking someone in the C-word. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he says, he says at the beginning, and people are kind of like, ooh. And he's like, I'm going to make you like it when I say it again. Yep. And he does, and it's really good. I like when he does that kind of twist. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good magic trick. It is, it is a good magic trick. And um, it's something Louis C.K. <clears throat> before the issues used to do all the time was bring up the most uh, wrong subject. Yeah, and it was like I'm gonna get you on my side without even saying it though. Yeah, yeah. I'll get you on my side, and you'll go. You know what? <laughs> I kind of get pedophiles now. <laughs> By the end of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never, can never feel that way, but I understand what you're saying. Uh, Did you see the bit? I did see the bit. Okay, um, but I thought you. that there you, was then. a moment in the sh- in the. I mean, it wasn't overly funny. It feels like he's in that point of of a comedian's career where you're you're too famous to be funny anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like so you just tell like a lot of long stories that maybe don't go anywhere, and then you do kind of like a, a, a sort of a well, he does six ins- hour sets, inspirational finale. Yeah, yeah. You know? but uh, in the middle of it, he did talk about the assault on stage when he was attacked on stage, mm-hmm. and mentions like and he had some good parts of the story like john stewart trying to stop the guy i did see this and, bit, yes. yeah being the guy dodging him whatever and then and then but he did say and then he said well after it happened i was standing on stage and i couldn't think of anything to say i was trying to think of something funny to say and then chris rock came out on stage and said was that will smith 
and it <laughs> killed. Like the whole place laughed. And then he, and then I said, I think he was a trans man. And then I just got boom. <laughs> and he said, and because it wasn't funny, it wasn't funny. I wasn't being funny. I was just saying something, trying to get the audience. Yeah. And it wasn't funny. And I thought that was an interesting admission. You know, like you went to like something that you feel comfortable with because you know that it's transgressive to say that. Yeah. And the audience is going to go, ooh, he's being Dave Chappelle. But instead they went, boo, because they just said, no, that's not, that's not funny. <laughs> that's not who that man is, you know? Like if your joke is that, if you're saying I like trans people and I'm just having some fun with them, you know, I was very good friends with a trans person. She was all at all my shows. Yeah. You know, I really like them. Oh, by the way, they also, I also think they're attacking me. You can't have both both ways. You can't say, yeah. you know, I, have a I love Jew- I have people. a Jewish friend. I have a Jewish friend. And here's my story about that. <laughs> well, that's not starting well. You know, I have a Jewish friend. He stole all, all my money. Well, no, that's not your Jewish friend. Then if your joke about your friend is that he steals your money, if your joke about your friend is that, you know, some old stereotype about Jewish people, then he's not your friend. That's not a friendly thing that you're doing. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the comedian was talking about this saying, you know, I know someone who was so sensitive. I think it might have even been in a comedy book. Mm. But I was like, I know someone who was like uh, so sensitive. Uh, he was such a sensitive comic. So sensitive. Yeah. That like uh, he thought someone was laughing at his joke the wrong way. And so he gave up his uh, $30 million show. He just gave it up. <laughs> and he, he went he went to another continent and hung out because people were taking a joke that he meant one way, a different way. And so he gave it all up because he was so sensitive. Yeah, gave it all up. Yeah. Who was that guy? Who was it? You know, who? It was a problem. Is sometimes people take a joke the wrong way. Did he, did he abandon his friends who also worked with him and mm. left them uh, yeah, in the screwed. lurch as well? Yeah, yeah screwed them. Screwed them. The right. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> that. To, to the point where they have to like uh, put magnets to their heads to kind of straighten out their depression. <laughs> I did not know that about and, Neil Brennan. Uh, We're talking about I, Neil Brennan. Ayahuasca is day one of their uh, therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that was sort of interesting. I mean, I thought it was very honest of him or candid of him to say it was a bad joke. But at the same time, look at your motive. Examine your motive for why you made that joke. I almost watch a special now more in the sense of like, is he funny? That's my, that's my question now. And I said that to Lisa, and she goes, oh, I don't really find it very funny anymore. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, right. here's the other problem. is like, you're right. You know, the, the, a stereotype is, you know, uh, if, if you don't, if, if you want a comedian to talk, to not talk about, or to talk about something, tell them they can't talk about it. Mm. Like, hey, <laughs> what, the one thing you can't bring up on this stage is butter. <laughs> don't bring up butter. And then, you know, they're going to go up and they're going to start talking about butter. But if you know that, yeah. then they're making you talk about butter. Like, they really are making you talk about butter yeah. by saying this. <laughs> so, like, I get that, you know, people are going, is he going to talk about trans stuff? Well, then I've got to talk about trans stuff as the first thing, mm-hmm. you know, because I can't let them not make me talk about trans stuff. But don't you get, they're making you talk about trans stuff <laughs> by saying don't talk about trans stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're doing what they're making you do. Yeah. So, you know, the way to really fuck them over is like talk about fucking anything else like start off with like talking about star wars or some shit yeah whatever yeah. anything else you know because yeah you are dancing to the tune they're asking you to play and now the media you know gets to go hey still talking about this and mm. everyone's 
Everyone's doing their parts and doing the same shit they did last time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you're not being innovative. Yeah. You know, you're not being a rebel. You're just playing the song that everyone is asking you to fucking play. But you're also... Don't play Freebird. Well, here comes Freebird. (laughs) Yay! Wait, did you want me to play Freebird? No, whatever you do, don't don't play play Freebird. Okay, I won't play it. We're going to play Freebird. Yay! Oh, God damn it. That's right. Don't throw me in the briar patch. Yes. (laughs) Don't throw me in the trans patch. (laughs) Anyway, it was, it was interesting. It was short. It was only an hour or something like that. Oh, that's so. good. Short is good. I don't, you know, it's fine. He, Yeah, I wish he would just kind of drop that stuff, to be honest, and kind of move on a bit. But he did some funny, I mean, things that I liked about it were like, just the dumb things. Like he did a, I mean, it's kind of a tasteless joke. It was about the, that tight, I didn't really know what he was talking about because it, it seemed like a million years ago now, but that, that underwater craft that mm-hmm. imploded going to see the yeah. Titanic thing. He did a, like a dumb joke about it. And the joke was nothing. What was fun was that how much he enjoyed the joke and how he kept laughing before he could say it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just stupid. It was like he's a stupid he's joke. He's being a naughty kid. Yeah, that's it, exactly it. Like, he just knew. And he goes, he goes oh, and he, as he said, he goes, my wife hated, hates that joke, but I just love it. <laughs> but he just loves it because it's stupid, you know? It's just like a dumb joke, you know, that you'd say with your friends somewhere. It's like that, you know? Yeah. And just have a laugh about it. And I really do think you can joke about anything. Uh, you just got to, like, you know, I don't even think you have to have the right context about it. You just have to, you know, uh, accept whatever comes afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and, you can make any joke you want, really. But but don't then go, and I'm the greatest comic of all time. Like, okay, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is fine. All right. He must be. Look at all those celebrities that are hanging out with him and the pictures after the, the special's over. Sure. Yeah. And his wife. Yeah, he said a thing once, too, where he was talking about... You know, and he went away and then he was watching Key and Peel do his show. And I'm like, okay, there's a little bit, there's a little bit yeah, of that where you're going like, all right, first of all, no. Yeah. You know, they're doing uh, their own thing, but because if you, if you want to, if we want to play that fucking card, yeah. uh, then, and you were doing Chris Rock show. Mm. If you watch episodes of the Chris Rock show, it's the same structure as the Dave Chappelle show. Yeah. Pretty, like there's a lot of similar sketches on that show. And then, yeah, Key and Peel then took it to whatever, you know, level they took it to. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, but you're kind of in the middle of this, you know. You didn't invent rock and roll, yeah. you know. Okay. Quit being bitchy. A little bit. A little bit. Just a bit. Anyway, I it's, watched it. It's hard to be an artist sometimes, I think. <laughs> it's hard, it's to, hard to be an artist when you got other people saying you're the greatest as well. That must, that's, that's going to mess you up. Yeah. I, well, yeah, for sure. For sure, I'm I, shocked. I'm shocked. Any of the Beatles could have done any music <laughs> after the Beatles. Anything that you got out of them after that, wow. Yeah, good on good on you. Yeah, and, and there's definitely a reason why they didn't play their music for a long time after. You know, like you think, like, oh, you're touring, you should do your Beatles music. No, no, <laughs> fuck that shit. Though nowadays, Paul does. Well, no, yes, he's embraced. He's embraced it. He's post-embraced yeah. it. He's, he's done enough other stuff. I think and by the time he was doing Wings Over America, the, the three-album live al- album, I think it does have three-record live album. I think it does have some some uh, Beatles stuff on it. He's probably the first one to kind of go back to the well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Chappelle, uh, I'm just going to do one other thing about Chappelle, which is not about oh, the no. material. Yeah. But, like, you know, he's famous now for doing these incredibly long sets. Okay. You know, he'll go into a club and he'll do, like, five, six, seven-hour set. Why? Yeah. With <laughs> Bruce Springsteen of comedy? Well, sounds, sounds I think for a similar reason. Yeah. Which is, you know, Bruce Springsteen has talked about his depression. Mm. And I, my feeling on that is 
this is where you feel comfortable. Yeah. You feel comfortable on stage. So why would you leave the space that you feel comfortable? Yeah. And if, if someone will let you be on there for like six hours, well, that's a lot of your day that you didn't feel shit. Mm. You didn't, you didn't have self doubt that you felt like the most like yourself that you could feel and people were accepting you. Yeah. Yeah. How addictive is that shit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're probably right. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why you're on stage for three hours and that's because you really like it. Yeah. You really, what, really, 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 what would you really rather like be doing <laughs> yeah. than being on stage playing the songs that people love with yeah. your friends yeah. and, uh, you know, and getting cheered? What would you rather be doing? Is yeah. there something else? Is there a good Netflix show on mm. you want to catch up on? I mean, I'm sure you're tired later and you want to rest, yeah. but, uh, you know, this is the best part of your day. So you want this part of your day to be as long as possible. Yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, think about someone like Bob Dylan, who height of his career in the 60s, basically retired you know, from live live performance, mm-hmm. he put out put out a few albums, but not very much. And basically, was this was a dad, a husband and a dad, and then that wasn't enough. Yeah, you know. And then he went back to live touring, and to the point that he started the Never Ending Tour. <laughs> you know, where he just lives on a bus. Yeah, and just tours all year, every year. You know, goes around does you know whatever every city in North America and every city in Europe. <laughs> And wherever else he's accepted, it goes around and displays his music. And band members come and go because it's a grueling life to be on the road all that that all that much. But if you love it, if you're like him, and it just becomes your the focus of your life is just to be playing your music and stuff. Yeah. Well, once upon a time, I was doing you know a a play at uh, you know at some it was it was like Star Trek. But we would do like uh, at uh, the Back Alley Theater and we do like a show at 8. I'd have to be there for 7.30. Yeah. And then we do two other shows, two theater sports shows after that. Mm. And so and both of them were full. Well, the second show was a full show and then the third show was a little bit shorter. Uh, but I ended up getting out at about 12.40. And so, you know, I mean, for a regular person's working day, not long. Yeah. But for the amount of time on stage, quite a long time performing. Yeah. And yeah, you get addicted to that. Mm. You're really hooked. Mm. on that vibe and yeah. just being on stage and then backstage you know we're calling each other horrible things and then <laughs> saying things Nighties. that you know that's right and you have a hate crime tri- tribunal over <laughs> and then uh, you go back up and then you do that multiple days a week yeah yeah you know like it'd be like on the on the shorter days there'd be two shows uh, and on the weekends there'd be three shows yeah be, yeah and you just pack them in so it's so weird thinking that it was like so much so much performing to the point where I think that was one of the reasons I had a hard time doing stand up was to be like okay now you're going to go down and do uh, ten minutes ten minutes set this one night ten minutes how long do I have to wait before I go on well, about an hour uh huh and then afterwards <laughs> like hang out for at least like an hour and change yeah oh, fuck and then just do ten minutes yeah that's Man, I'm used to a bigger fix. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Num, 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 num. this is <laughs> this is tapas, and I'm used to a buffet. Like, okay, I guess it's just too it's mm. too short. Yeah, you should have started a one man show. Yeah, just doing a one man. Kind of am. Six hours. Kind of am this year. Six hours long. I put myself. I put my name in for the Fringe Festival for oh, really? a one person show. Yeah. Oh wow. The lottery, and then I told my neighbor about it, and he went, "I'm doing the same thing." Like, all right, I oh, dare you. I'm it's like, a contest now. It's a yeah, we'll see. The competition, the lottery, the lottery. <laughs> Who will win? Oh, that's good. I got I got very inspired by uh, T.J. Daw stuff, and okay, uh, you know, seeing what uh, seeing what I, I've done some writing for for them lately, and yeah, yeah, it's like oh, okay, I think I got some stories to tell. We'll see. Hmm. I don't want to. I just want to say I don't want to tell me. I'm, don't do it. I'm not an angel. I, I constantly like. 
tease people at work all the time. Like I'm always making stupid jokes at people's expense, <laughs> but in a fun way. I hope. I hope it doesn't come across. You think as it? A mean you way. think it comes across with affection? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't call them by their last name, you know, and then zing them whilst frowning, you know. And I and I also and I'm, I don't get mad if it comes back at me because that's worse to me. Like it's one thing if that's you, that's the difference between bullying and not bullying to me is like the yeah. things you do to tease another person. Can they do it to you? No, then <laughs> it's bullying. Yeah. Then it's bullying. That yeah, is the yeah. fucking difference. <laughs> then you've created like a status yeah. thing, and it's di- it's sure. it's different. Yeah, for sure. Like I have a friend at work. He always refers to me as being ninety six years old, and you know because I am one of the older people there, second oldest person there, I guess I should say. But um, you know, he just likes to tease me about how old I am and stuff like that, and it's fine. I have no problem with that. And I think right. that's you know, I, I, I actually enjoy it. I, if you can make, make a good joke at my expense, I am on board with that. You know, so. I have no problem, uh, you know, because that's that should be part of the fun of your job is is the camaraderie of your of your job with yeah. the other people. You enjoy talking with them and having fun and making stupid jokes and is that yeah? I mean, the other thing that can be sometimes is if you're very funny and then the other person is not as funny, that it's harder for them. Well, to then make it's not a worry. Thing. It's not a problem. How so? The idea that I'm very funny. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, yeah, that's, that was something I, I, I like when I watch, um, kind of Conan's, uh, podcast, mm. Conan O'Brien's podcast is like, he likes being made fun of. He likes being insulted, <laughs> you know, and he, well, he, he can knows give the, it, he can give and take. Though. Oh, that's the thing. Like he yeah, will, yeah. he will, you know, go after the other person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as long as that's the situation and mm-hmm. it's, you know, yeah. But like, if, if Martin Short is there and doing his, his little, oh, routine, yeah, 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 he yeah. Loves that. yeah. But he's open to like other people too, mm-hmm. taking zings at him. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's nice that he's got his assistant there and she insults him constantly. <laughs> and it's like, that's good. And they go back yeah. and forth. And you can tell there's probably a power dynamic there where like he is her boss. Yeah. But like, she's got she feels comfortable enough sure, to sure. like you know that nice relationship. Go, what are you doing you look like an idiot <laughs> and he, he, he you know yeah he's he's open to that and it, it, it you got to be a certain degree of confident in yourself to be mm. able to take yeah, yeah. take a punch for sure for instead sure. of just giving a punch well i mean that's the difference between him and someone like david letterman who would you know get affronted if a guest zinged him on the show and he would have to zing them back he couldn't just it, right. just couldn't it was be a control like, thing it was yeah. it was definitely like he had uh, self-esteem issues or something. There <laughs> was something sure. in there. Yeah, yeah. You just have that comedian's sense of like, how dare you zing me? I'm going to, you know, because basically it's like you're being heckled by someone. Right. It's, he comes from a stand-up generation that's real. I, I, I look at as the, you know, when someone in the audience says something, just like, I'm doing the jokes here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that kind yeah, of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. there's a generation now, I think that's more, and you see it sometimes, unless, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, crowd work, videos that are on now of, okay. of, 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 of people mm-hmm. and the, and the best ones, you know, are the, you know, there's ones that are just like, you know, uh, this person destroys MAGA person. Yeah, in the yeah, audience. Yeah. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> and it never but is. But do they ever? Yeah. They, they never they, really, yeah, yeah. it's whatever, whatever. Yeah. But like, there's a new kind of vibe that's there of just like, oh, this could be fun. Mm. Let's go back and forth with this. As long as you're not like completely derailed and we're in the crowd work portion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and not, you're not saying something in the middle of a joke of mine, which is now fucking me up. Uh, <laughs> but I think like Conan is from a next generation, which is more of an improv jammy generation. Yeah. And so yeah, more open to back and forth and not yeah. having to control every and element. He, and he's not a set comedian. He's never, he's not part of that, that. Right. 
mindset. Like a Jay Leno would not like being insulted. No. Uh, you don't see people on comedians and cars getting coffee insulting Jerry Seinfeld. You know, <laughs> they should. They sh- they maybe should, <laughs> but th- that's not their vibe. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if it's Conan and someone else, mm. insulting Conan is part of it, or Conan looking stupid is part of it. Yeah, Jay Leno doesn't want to look stupid. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't want to look stupid. Letterman doesn't want to look stupid. He's not going to dress up in a dress. Yeah, he's not yeah. going to do that. Whereas Conan would dress up as anything. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go have some fun and goof around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Letterman saw himself as the straight man. With if there are people like with say with Chris Chris Elliott or something like that, sure, he saw himself as a straight man in that situation, so he doesn't want to be the person who's drawing attention to himself and those and that sort of thing. But yeah, I, yeah, this is a different different way, a different way. But yeah, you better better be able to laugh at yourself, or yeah, you're a bully. That's a that's a simple, simple fact. If all your things and you, you're right, there can be a power, there can be a power thing. I I I am I don't not boasting, but I am way quicker. With barbs, like with little insults and stuff like that, than someone else I work, you know, other people I work with, like I can quickly turn it around and, yeah. and insult you, and I'm not mean like mean way, but just in sort of a jokey way, you know. But yeah, you don't want to do it too much because then it just becomes like a relentless assault on a person. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm about. That's one thing you know? I, fe- I feel like I'm okay at. It's like when I was, you know, it's something like family when we had our family Christmas thing. It's just like, okay, who at the table is, hasn't talked for a while? Mm. Who hasn't had some focus here for a while? And then just like trying to throw the dynamic okay. over over towards them. Sure. And then, yeah, if they try something, to be supportive of whatever they're trying. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're trying to do a bit, uh, some kind of little bit or something that's not quite totally working, it's like, all right, let's goose that up. Let's just get, <laughs> let's get the energy up on that and that's fine. And like, you know, my brother-in-law... You know, just was going on for forever about real estate, and you know Same. it was not going over. <laughs> it wasn't going over, so it was like, okay, yeah. I don't, and I think he know, knew that it wasn't going over. Yeah. So it was like, all right, keeping this, and I just take, I just take a little mental picture of that and just go, okay, so we're going to have to give him some good focus real soon, but it can't be immediately afterwards because it feels like then I'm, hey, speaking of other subjects, how about, <laughs> you know, so you acknowledge that first story yeah, yeah. of just like, very good, and then we're moving on, and then whatever, when the opportunity arrives, because he used to work in a bakery as a kid, and he li- I know he know, likes memories of, the, of that, just talking about, you know, I was at Kingsgate Mall the other day, where was that bakery you used to work at? There, yeah. What? When did you have to get up for that? And it's like, oh, we had to get up at this. And now the stories are interesting, and yeah. we're we're playing up on that. And then eventually it works up to where we get him playing like a VR video game, and he's like dying, but he's the center of attention, and he's getting good laughs. And when yeah. he succeeds, everyone's clapping for him. And it's like, yeah, we've built we've built that up. But like, I knew he was feeling a little down. Let's just give him the focus and build him up. And I and and I think that's something missing often from that kind of playful dynamic. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, did this hurt that person? Okay, then we've got to we got to keep that in mind and 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 do something positive very soon, but not immediately because then it's obvious that you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope that I'm seen at work as as a kind person. I can be I can be severe at work. I can be very very in your face about some things mm-hmm. because there are processes that need to be followed and things that need to be done and some people right. want to maybe skip those because they're not worth their time you'll go do. up to them and go you're doing a good job <laughs> not <laughs> I'm like, what is this the 90s uh yeah no i uh is it the 90s henderson <laughs> that's right johnson that's knows henderson. what i'm talking about don't you johnson right dolly wall <laughs> <laughs> none of those names were correct 
That's fine. Getting names wrong is cool. <laughs> it's a power move. It is a power move. You're right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes you can't, it's not, there's times to not joke, obviously. You know? Yeah. But that's different. But I, hopefully people think that I'm nice or fun or whatever. But keep place, keep the place interesting. Keep it alive. Yeah. Keep the job alive. So was your... I just want to ask a question about, uh, about real estate. I don't answer questions. <laughs> was your was your brother in law? Was he like was he feeling kind of down about the real estate situation? Was that what he was talking about? Or um, here's what happened was uh, because he doesn't listen to the show, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> he's a mortgage broker. Oh, okay, and so I kind of brought up first of all uh, that our friend uh, our friend Nina mm. and her husband Bob mm-hmm. uh, used his services and uh, services uh, to. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. recently. And so that was kind of the mutual thing of just like, you know, oh, okay, that's my way into talking about that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my neighbor went, oh, how's uh, how's uh, the mortgage biz nowadays? And then he went on. It was just that little bit too long. Yes. Where like he's telling the first thing and then the first thing doesn't quite hit. So he's decided now, I'm going to give you more information until you're interested. <laughs> now he's really into it. And now it's like, well, that didn't hit either. Mm. So we're going to keep going and talk about the mortgage business. Oh, and you boy. can see the kids, his kids are now kind of like, oh, damn. <laughs> and like, oh, but not wanting to say, oh, dad, yeah, you yeah. know, and like, hmm, okay. And so, you know, you find a way to, ta- you know, to, to wrap it up. Yeah. And then you yeah. wrap up that just like, huh. And everyone's giving him the you old. Mean, <laughs> my mortgage is making me broker. <laughs> That'd be a nice thing to have said. <laughs> and we all, you know, kind of just wrap yeah. wrap it up. And then it was just like people it, people weren't connecting with the story. He was being a little too deep on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way that people didn't understand. Though mm-hmm. I think my neighbor understood because my neighbor actually owns property. And okay. so, you know, he, he knows that some some things. Yeah. And yeah, it was just that kind of stuff. And then it was back over to like, so how are you and your boyfriend? To, <laughs> you know, my niece. And, you know, we pumped up those stories and that was all fine. Fun. Fun. So you had a good Christmas. You made a turkey, you said. Yes, but you did not stuff the turkey. You don't. No, stuff it no, in. because uh, because uh, modern um, things that have are, have said that uh, you you shouldn't do that. Though I know you do that, and other people do that, and that's fine. I respect that you do that. But uh, but it's the temperature that it's safe at in the bird isn't the same. Isn't enough. It's not. Uh, there's a there's a risk. And so I've never found anyone go, oh, I'd rather be in the bird. So I just, you know, I, <laughs> That's cook, what I, say. I cook it I cook it outside of the bird and no one's ever like complained about the stuffing. <laughs> and I cook an enormous amount of stuffing. Uh, yeah, I cook more than I can fit into the turkey, but I do, I do fit in a lot into the right. turkey. Have you not I heard that? In there. That it, the, the temperature that... No. Uh, okay. Never have. Never had a problem. Okay. In my 30 years of cooking a turkey? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And well, it wasn't a problem no, when I was years. a kid either. It's just something that is uh, very, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? That's very commonly uh, referred to in almost any video that I've seen recently on cooking a turkey. Hmm. It's like, okay, so here's how we get around that problem. Is you cook it in the turkey for this amount of time, then take leave it in, a, in like a bag in the, in the turkey and then take it out and then cook it a little more or something, but like to raise it up to the safe temperature where like, you know, you're not getting raw chicken or turkey juices in your in your thing because the inside of the bird cooks very differently than the outside of the bird so far so good okay um i guess i started i guess i cooked my first turkey in 1997 wow would have been my first turkey mine was probably six years ago yeah if that maybe even five years ago yeah yeah i mean it was and it felt like a big deal at the time sure i did my first one because there's a magic 
<laughs> well, there, I, but ma- magic, I guess. But I feel like there is that like overblown drama has been kind of put around cooking a turkey, where you feel like, oh, this is something I couldn't possibly do because it's a job that requires a person who's like an octopus with a, with a hundred arms doing different things at the same time, and then you do, and you're like, eh. we're doing all your side dishes at the same time. Well, your side dishes, you, you I mean, I I do all my side dishes after the bird comes out and rests for half an hour, mm-hmm. and then that's when I that's when I put the vegetables on and. And uh, throw the uh, casserole, the cheese, cheese and the, broccoli rice thing. What was the first big meal that you made that you were like, "Woof!" I can't remember mine. But like, what was? What, do you remember the first uh, thing you yeah, started? Yeah, it would have been like a, it would have been like a, an attempt at making a, a like a filet mignon with Bernays sauce. And stuff oh like wow! That. Yeah, and I mean the the meat was fine, and everything. But at that point, I hadn't quite figured out how to make the Bernays sauce properly. Okay, because I didn't. You know, I followed the instructions from a from a, a recipe book without any visuals, and so you're just it just says you know stir stir uh, egg yolk until foamy or something like that. But you, what does that mean, right? Like when you've you're, you've stirred and it gets foamy, like it's like an orange Julius, and you're like ah, I'm done. But that's not done because it's not foamy. It's actually stir it till it's thick. Stir it till it's like a like a thick. I don't know how to describe it. Like a sauce. <laughs> yeah. You know. The only one I can remember doing that that I could like watch and kind of get was like James Barber. That'd be mm. about it. For okay. His show. Yeah. I never, I mean, I've never been interested in cooking in that way that I would watch a cooking show. And I'm still not that interested in, in it. Today, did, okay. your, did your parents make filet mignon? Before? No. So what made you want to make filet oh, because mignon? Of, because of La Masia, like having it La Masia. Oh, okay. So that was like, in our minds, that was like the best meat in the, with a Bernays sauce. That was like the best thing. I loved it so much from La Masia. And so I wanted to duplicate that at home. So we would always make it like have a Caesar salad with it, have a right. have Bernays sauce. Would you make your own Caesar dressing? Yep. Yep. And it's really good. It's a really good Caesar dressing. Yep. Um, in fact, I made it for New Year's dinner. This oh, year. nice. So we had ham. Ham with uh, cheesy scalloped potatoes and and uh, just regular size carrots and Brussels sprouts. I think I, I've made I like, like scalloped potatoes once and it's one of my favorite things. I've never really made it. Yeah, I mean, when I first made scalloped potatoes, in my mind, scalloped potatoes had cheese in it, but it doesn't. It's just no. like milk and onions yeah. and stuff that you just kind of dump over the potatoes and throw them in the oven. And no scallops. <laughs> There's no scallops at all. <laughs> uh, but this is an actual recipe that has like cheddar cheese, Gruyere, and, oh, uh, nice. mo- and mo- not mozzarella, Parmesan in it. And so you uh, make like a, a cheese sauce kind of a thing, like a white sauce that you add cheese to. Um, and then you lay your scalloped potatoes down and then you pour half of that over it. And then add the onions and the, and then add, do another layer of potatoes, some onions, then you add the rest of the cheese sauce on it. And then you put grated cheese on it mm. so that can toast. Well, it, but it has to cook for like an hour and a half. It cooks for 60 minutes and then you take off the foil and then right. you, you, then you brown the top of it for half do an hour. Do you, with your turkey, do you put it in foil at first and then take it I'll put foil over the uh, stuffing just to keep it from getting too crisp. But not the, not the breast. Not the breast or anything. I think okay, it's Okay, they don't burn. No. Okay. No. No, I mean, I, why? I mean, I don't understand why it would unless your oven is like leaking. No, no, it's always it, it. It burns unless you do something. For me, it it does because oh. again, it cooks at a different. Uh, it's a thinner thing than the rest, and then the rest. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I find that the yeah I find the stuffing burns, but I've never had the bird burn. 
interesting. Yeah. You have a magic fucking oven. <laughs> so, like all the things. Here's the thing. I mean, all the things you say to me, like I just throw it in and do this, <laughs> and then yeah, I've never had a dry turkey, and yeah. you know, and, and it's like it's like we're living in different universes mm. where it's just like I want to I want to then take you door to door in the neighborhood <laughs> and just go hi. Um, I was just wondering if you've ever had a dry turkey. And it's like, yeah, constantly. Thank you. Let's go next door. Uh, turkey, yeah. uh, dry usually or really juicy? Dry. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. And it's like you've. I'll had- tell you my secret. Okay. Stuffing. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, uh, oops. Almost knocked my microphone over with my knee. Oh, well, there's a spare. It's a weird thing to do. There we go. Um, no, I've never. Uh, I mean, I will say. At Thanksgiving this year, I thought the turkey was a little dry because I left it in the oven too long. Mm. Because I started it too early, and I was afraid to take it out. I thought we get too we get cold, and so I left it in a bit long. And so I didn't think it was as nice as it normally is. This year, Pia, but no one else complained. Pia, so. Pia cut the turkey, uh, carved, yes. uh, and said it was like the juiciest turkey she's ever seen in her life. I'm like, all right, it was luck, <laughs> just luck. So much of it to me is that it's just like. <laughs> Just I mean, try and I, I try and correct a mistake every year to make it a little better. Yeah. And this year I dry brined it uh, for 24 hours beforehand with mm. uh, salt, pepper, and uh, baking powder, and you know it uh, dried out the skin and it okay. did make it crispy as heck. It was okay. like so so good. Yeah. Uh, and apparently made it really juicy. So okay. And I yeah I put the foil on for the first half. And okay. I took it off for the second half okay. and it browned it perfectly. We got this yeah. when it came out of the oven from the family. Woo! I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I think I, I might have taken a picture of it this, I don't think I took a picture of it this year, but I normally do take like a picture of it when it comes out just for mm-hmm. the heck of it. And, uh, yeah, I don't, cause it's funny, I don't do any of that stuff. I don't br- brine it. I don't rub butter on it. I don't. Are we showing pictures stuff. of our uh, turkeys to each other? I saw yours cause you posted it on uh, okay, Instagram. Um, but let me just quickly look here. It's, well, I took a picture of my eggs. I guess I didn't. I took a picture of my eggs Benedict, but not of my turkey. Eggs Dedrick. Eggs Dedrick, yeah. There it is, looking looking like classic. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice sausages. Well done. Yeah, the sausages were nice. Yeah. Yeah, we had some. And we just had leftover hash browns from, and bacon from Eve. Eve brought over. Yeah. She had had a breakfast uh, the day before. I made a big breakfast. So we just brought just used her hash browns and bacon and just reheated that. So it was, that was an easy part of the meal. It was nice. I didn't make I didn't make waffles this year because I said, "Oh, should I make waffles?" And everyone went, "No, it's too much." So I was like, "Oh, is it?" Because you know, it's the whole point of this. But no, but the part I mean, I mentioned that um, I had to take my father in law to the to a, a, yeah. for respite care. So that kind of like blew our schedule. So it also made like no one wanted to wait around longer for me to make the waffles and stuff like that so it was fine it was fine do you um, make the uh, batter ahead of time or do you make it just I on just, the spot i just make it on the spot it doesn't yeah. it's not that hard besides the whole stupid egg white thing oh do you separate egg whites mm-hmm. okay when i do it yeah because you get a fluffier batter that way oh nice yeah fold it in we might do more cooking show episodes <laughs> I made chicken Diane yesterday, which what was is chicken Diane? Night. I saw that. Yeah, uh, what is what is chicken Diane? Besi- what is- besides the fact that it's a great song by uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, is it- <laughs> a little story about chicken, chicken Diane. Diane. Yeah. It's what you get when you uh, have leftover chicken thighs from another recipe. Okay, um, but what is you know, it? It's uh, it's it's basically like uh, so you're. You're cooking your uh, your chicken thighs in some olive oil and butter, and you do uh, both sides of those guys. Mm-hmm. And That's then good. it's adding uh, it's adding uh, you take them out, 
cook cook up some shallots or onions, whatever you want in sure. there. And then it's basically a mustard lemon sauce. Oh, that sounds good. You, with a bit of parsley, and you just like uh, do all that up until it's uh, it's nice and thick. And then you put the uh, chicken back in and cook it for a little bit longer in there. But you keep the uh, skin nice and crispy mm. on top. And uh, god damn, it was really really good. That's good. So so freaking good. <laughs> I put it on some rice because oh, and sorry, there's mushrooms as well. And uh, oh man. Last meal mushroom. So tasty. You're not a mushroom guy. <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I, I'm not a huge mushroom guy, but I don't mind them in food. Yeah. It's kind of like olives. Like I would never eat an olive. Okay. But, but I like it on pizza or in a nachos. Okay. I like an olive there. Like I just like it as part of the taste. Package. Yeah. One of the, the, so when you take the chicken out, uh, then you put the mushrooms in. Mm. So it's absorbing the flavor sure. of the uh, the chicken, which yeah, is, yeah. of course, salt and peppered. Nice. And then, uh, then yeah, you're putting in the onions. It said shallots, but I've got frozen onions that I have in a bag. And uh, <laughs> I've gotten so lazy with those. And it's just, it's that. It's so much easier. Boom. Done. Mm. I don't have to cut and chop up a whole onion. I'm it's a, fine. I'm... That's see. That's a difference. I'm not a cook. I'm a I'm a recipe follower. Mm-hmm. So if it says shallots, it has to be shallots. I cannot, oh, okay. I cannot deviate from that. I cannot deviate from my instructions. So yeah, I don't really cook. And I I've just, been doing some tray bakes uh, this week as well. Just just like a lot of vegetables, and then usually meat on top of that, mm. then cooked, and uh, they've been really really good as well. Mm. Yeah, I've been eating re- leftovers. <laughs> Yeah, well, the leftovers, I think, have turned for us. So now we're uh, now we're back onto the regular food. Well, we did our t- turkey the first week, mm-hmm. and then we've done our ham for this week. Oh, right, because you had a special New Year's dinner. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. We didn't yeah. do anything super special on New Year's. But there's nothing special. We just had the kids over, and uh, yeah, kids, and then a friend of Mary's came for dinner as well. Nice. And Mary's uh, new friend, other friend, not her work friend, but her boyfriend also came. <laughs> Mary and I went... Out last night we watched The Abyss because it's just oh, okay. it's finally it, been re- it re- an released. IMAX that you saw it? Or? No, no, it was just at uh, the Rio. Okay, but they have just released a 4K version of of The Abyss. Oh, okay, all right. Because uh, it has not been available for about five years now or something like that uh, on DVD or anyway or on streaming or anything. Is that uh, a choice from Cameron? I think I think it was. Yeah, I think he wanted uh, it to it to be re restored, like having like a the restoration done to it. So right. You know, I went and saw it. So I went and saw the Rio. It was the director's cut, which I was not that happy about. I would rather have seen right. the theatrical cut myself. But um, and I've seen them both before. But because uh, I saw it in the theater when it came out, and then I watched. I saw it on Laserdisc. The the the, the, oh, wow. the director's cut on Laserdisc many many years ago. It's funny whenever you mention Laserdisc now, it sounds like such a futuristic thing, but it's so in the past. <laughs> it's so in the past because it was still analog. It wasn't digital. Right. I think that's how. I think that's how my wife and my uh, sister-in-law saw uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Wow. It might have been on that. Or like Star Wars or something. Yeah, it was the two-disc set. Yeah, the two-disc You tell set. me, if you're listening, you tell me if that's true. So Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back in a, in a set together? No. Or no, but I think, like, so I think either Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back, but they had to, like, it stopped and then they had to, like, put wow. another disc I wonder in. if that was, uh, or, that sounds like it might have been that, that the, the slightly better version version where it's each frame of the of the film is on the on the laser disc mm. like i have like snow white like that you can go through oh, wow. frame by frame to the movie I also have the killer the john woo film like that as well where you can go frame by frame it's three discs it's three laser discs the killer so you have but you can like stop if you want to like go through an action sequence and just watch each individual frame of it you can go through it's kind of but i think it's more fun to do with the animated ones because you can see like where they swipe in the yeah. cell itself or you know, you can just see more of the of the uh, animation cool. tricks and stuff like that, the multiplane kind of working and stuff. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, we went and saw. And so I was watching, and I was kind of like, I was watching the movie, and I was really loving it, like so much. Because I just, I think it's such a great movie, except for the aliens. Yeah. Which I hate, and it's even worse in the in the director's version because there's more of it. Yeah. There's even more of the alien stuff. You know, and it's just, and it's like, it's not just the alien stuff. It's like, you know, the alien stuff reveal where it's like the music going, bah, bah, you know, like this big epic music. And, but I'm watching, I'm just kind of like, oh, fuck. <laughs> not, yay. Just like, oh, this is so bad. Like, it's just, you know, like. To be fair, you feel the same way about E.T. It's just I, like, I like every part about E.T., you say, except yeah. for when the alien shows up. I'm, I like where the kid's calling his brother I'm penis breath. And then it goes downhill from there. <laughs> I'm fine I with I like the, the relationship with Drew Barrymore. I like, I want to see the dynamic of the family. And then all of a sudden, this fucking alien shows up. And it's all like, ugh. And then finally, the alien looks like he's dead. I'm like, we can get on with the movie. My, they bring the alien back. I liked, I liked E.T. okay. But my problem with E.T. was that it was not, not nearly as good as The Thing. And no one was talking about that. No one was talking about that movie. Everyone's talking about ET, and I'm like, "There's a way better alien movie out, guys." But anyway, um, I remember. But in many ways, aren't they the same movie? No. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> They're both aliens come to Earth. They're fine, but one is such a sucky movie. <laughs> What's the difference? One is so sucky. The other one is like really great. Anyway, um, so I was, but I was watching the movie, and I was just kind of like, like I say, I was just really enjoying it, and I was. And it's so good. Like, Ed Harris is so good in it. Mary, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio is really good. Like, and all the actors who are just playing, like, little bit parts and stuff like that bring so much personality to each of their characters that they, they're the real people to you when you're watching the movie, you know? And, and I was just like, oh, man, maybe I'm finally going to like this movie. I'm finally going to like the ending of this movie. Like, I was so, I was like, oh, I'm finally, I'm probably going to, like, the aliens are going to come and I'm going to be like, you know what? This actually works. And then they showed up and I was like, oh, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> it does not work. It's still, still, Fucks, still fucks it up to me. And Mary agreed with me, too. Like, she enjoyed it a lot. Has she seen it before? She'd never seen it before. Ah. Okay. That's kind of why we went and saw it, because um, because she's a Blank Check fan, the the, the podcast. Yeah. And they'll do director. So she knew of, the aliens were coming, and she knew that element. No, was, she didn't know anything about oh, it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, all right. I never, thought maybe they spoiled it on Blank No, no. Check. She never. She wouldn't. She won't listen to the show until she's watched the film. Oh, good, good. Film. Okay. And so that. But so she she's seen all of James Cameron's films. James Cameron's films, except for that, except for Piranha Two and and uh, <laughs> and The Abyss, which I think The Abyss is probably more the one you'd want to see. Uh, so you know, she was watching it totally. You know, the scene where where um, Master Antonio's character Lindsay dies, so they can make it back from the crashed uh, submersible. You know, when they when they're trying to revive her, like sitting <laughs> beside me, and she was like had her hands up to her face, like this is absolute like. You know, so up, so nervous. You yeah, know? yeah. And she even said that. She goes, "Oh, that movie just stressed me out so much." <laughs> I said, "But in a good way." She goes, "Oh, yeah. Well, it was a good way, but it was just so stressful." But she, you know, she did agree with me that it's just not earned when the, you know, when when Ed Harris like sinks to the bottom, like that whole sequence is so great. Yeah, the music is great. Everything is great about it. You know, him going down when he's when you think he's maybe passed out and he's like sort of clumping down the you know falling against the the cliff underwater cliff edge and stuff like that and. As he sinks towards the bottom, and you're just like, "Oh my gosh!" He's and then he then he comes back again. He's he's more coherent, and he's writing to them and stuff like that. And then he gets down to the bottom and and diffuses. And of course, that great sequence where it's like, you know, cut the this wire, but don't cut that one. And then they're the same color because you're yeah. underwater, and nothing can't see the difference. And he's going to cut the one, and then no, no, changes his mind, cuts the other one. Like all that is so great. And then this the whole like sadness of him like being resigned to the fact that you know this was a sacrifice. Like he knew yeah. he knew when he when he did this that it was a one-way trick trip trip or is this one-way ticket 
and you're like, oh, it's so sad. But I mean, it's so satisfying that some someone cares that much about other people. Yep. You know, that's what he's doing it for. He's not doing this for himself. That's he's all doing he wants it to do because he, he loves to do. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, oh, what a sacrifice. This is so great. And then suddenly this stupid <laughs> bumbling <laughs> alien thing comes up in this little floating light butterfly, like a, a, the Disney electric parade. And it's, and it's just like the goofiest looking alien. Like you're just like, it's not even like, you're just like, oh my God, is this a, it still looks bad. It looks bad. Like now it looks bad. It still looks terrible. Like, like the special effects are great. Like they all, I mean, you know, like James Cameron movies, like he doesn't make a movie unless the special effects are going to work, you know? That's why it was like an extra year to make that movie because he wait, had to wait for Industrial Light and Magic to figure out how to do the, the pseudopod for the movie, to get the software right for that. And, you know, so it looks great, but it's just so corny and it's so unearned because at no time in the movie does it give you a sense that that's what they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, at the beginning of the movie, they killed a bunch of people in a submarine, not intentionally, or maybe intentionally, we don't know, because they make they make it clear that they're fed up with humans fighting with each other. So maybe they kind of like fucked with this submarine and made it crash or whatever, because it's a war it's a warship underwater near where they live. I don't know, you know, we don't know their motives. But if maybe if maybe they'd gone to the war sh- or to the submarine and no one was there, and they're like, well, where did the crew go? You know, and then at the end of the movie, yeah. explains that the aliens saved the crew from the because this accident wasn't intentional. They're not there to kill us. And and Ed Harris also they also saved Ed Harris because they recognized the sacrifice that he made. Then yeah, then that maybe would make sense to the movie. Then you'd be like, that's I, you were getting it. This is what they do, <laughs> not just show up out of nowhere at the end of the movie because you can't make a two hundred million dollar film and kill your kill your star at the, at the end of it. That's just not going to fly, you know. So that's I mean that's why that's the ending because mm-hmm. the obvious ending is he dies. Yeah, but. The obvious other ending is Paramount Studios saying, uh, no, we just put $200 million into your movie, James, and you can't kill your actor at the end of it. By the way, an actor we didn't want to hire. Is you, that right? You insisted that he acted this movie. So if you like him so much, you better save his ass. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was because, you know, you can have like a 70s ending in a, a, a <laughs> 80, the movie that came out in 89. That's a, not what people a wanted. Brit- a British sci-fi this is, ending. This is the Reagan era. So, you know, like it's still the people are still like, we're all about winning. We don't want a movie where some guy dies at the end of it, even if it's a sacrifice. Um, speaking of holiday movies, is it okay to talk about holiday movies? No, sure. All right. I have nothing against them. Did you? Were you the one who recommended Holiday Affair? No. Someone recommended... I mean, th- I think I brought it... No, oh, I think maybe Jason... Did Jason bring it up? I don't think that we recommended it, though. Okay. We some, about, the one with Robert Mitchum. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, because it got brought up, I watched it and mm. quite liked it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's uh, it's all right. It's... Uh, it's the kind of movie. The thing I, is, I, when I see Robert Mitchum, all I can think about is Night of the Hunter. Well, here's so I the, find it hard when he's in like a romantic the lead. The whole the whole point of this was to rehabilitate his image after uh, you know uh, his a big, po- his pot his pot bust his pot bust yeah yeah like he likes smoking reefer yeah. can you believe that shit yeah. did you know I remember reading in the comedians that his sister was uh, a com- a comedic songstress oh I didn't know that yeah she would write uh, kind of parodies and sort of ribald they're very like. They're very kind of X-rated songs oh. and stuff that she sang at the time. Yeah. Anyway. No, it was. She, uh, also, she probably also liked the reefer. Uh, it's it's actually the type of movie that uh, kind of bugs me sometimes, where it's like uh, uh, the gal is in love with two dudes, mm. and you know the one guy's the straight laced guy, yeah, and the yeah. other's the big hunk of beef. Wait, was it with Ethan Hawke and Winona Ryder and Ben Stiller? <laughs> 
that's the thing. I don't care for that sort of thing. Uh, because back then I used to be the nerd. And I was like, well, they never go with the nerd. Yeah. So I don't care for these movies at all. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I thought like that's going to be the vibe here. Yeah. Uh, and not wrong. Uh, and yet still, yeah, it was quite charming. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, like one of the 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 one of the opening scenes is like the uh, the the gal goes home to her kid. Uh, and the whole place is decorated with uh, memorabilia of her husband who died in the war. Okay. And uh, unhealthy relationship with her son. Um, <laughs> but she's, they're saying goodbye to like uh, the kid's friend. And it was the the kid who played uh, Jody in the Family Affair and was oh, also really? in Sigmund and the Sea Monster. And I was like, oh, that kid. There he is. Hey, that, that guy. There he goes. And I figured he's going to be a bigger part of this, this but he wasn't. This he movie was seems really late for like that sort of holiday movie. That's funny. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, that actually, and you know what? Now I'm thinking about it. Maybe it wasn't him. I'm looking at it. It's like, uh, it's 1949. There's no way no, that no, could no, be him. No, no, no. He looked just fucking like him. Who was that kid? Oh my God. Okay. I got to look this up. 49. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, that felt like what you were describing. I watched there. it. I watched it honestly twice. Yeah. Uh, wow. and yeah. because, uh, you really liked it. You no, really, I, really I was okay it. with it. Uh, yeah, Johnny Whitaker. Okay, Johnny Whitaker. Let's see. What was Johnny Whitaker's first? No, Johnny Whitaker didn't work back then. Fuck, no. what was I thinking? That makes no sense. Well, <laughs> it doesn't make any my, sense. My entertaining story is uh, no longer entertaining. Okay. Well, no, it's still entertaining, but just at your expense. Right. So I watched it. I enjoyed it. And it ends on New Year's Day. So it's a good New Year's Day movie. Cool. Uh, and then uh, after that, I saw that there was another Mitchum film that was playing. And it was uh, Out of the Past. And so I'm halfway through that right now. That's and there's pretty good. A noir-y Jacques Tourneur, the director of that yeah. movie. And, uh, yeah. Who also directed The Cat People. Okay. And I, I Walked with a Zombie. And uh, Night of the Demon. My, yes, Night of the Demon, yes. Which is a pretty good movie, except they showed the monster at the end, which uh, went against Val Luton, the producer's uh, movie theory, which is you do not show the monster. It movie. was also The What Man. What else did he write uh, or direct? He well, he directed my, my favorite Val Luton film is uh, Return of the Cat People. Very good. Which is great because it has nothing to do with the cat people. It's a totally different movie. Oh, is that right? It has a bit of an appearance by, I think her name is Simone Signore, uh, appears briefly in sort of a magical moment of the film. But the movie is basically about this very lonely girl living in upper, upper, upstate New York in a little, in a little village. Oh, he directed and, a lot of fucking movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. He directed a lot of, he was a real go-to for film noir. All right, I'm going to well. give you a quiz afterwards. Okay, I don't know all his films. I'm not, I know. I'm not totally... So I'm going to give you like a missing word in these films. Okay. And then uh, you can, you can tell me, but go ahead and say what you're going to say. That's all. About your feelings. Okay, Did he direct the, good. was it the 13th, 13th victim or something like that? The something, 13th step or something like that? I can't remember the name of that. I'm not seeing that. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, he directed, in 1941, he directed a film called, uh, oh, in, in 1939, Nick Carter, Master Blank. Nick Carter. Master. Sleuth. Master Detective. Master I will detective, accept, okay. I will accept that. Uh, 1941. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doctors Don't Blank. Doctors Don't. Blank. Doctors Don't Kill. Tell. Oh. Doctors Don't Tell. Uh, 1940, Blank Raiders. Night Raiders? Phantom Raiders. Damn it. Uh, 1943, The Blank Man. Well, you said The What Man. Yeah, The What Man. Yeah. So what... Uh, oh, what? I see. Fill in the blank. Oh, the fill in the blank. Man. And I'll say it's a type of cat. Oh. Oh. Was it a panther? The Leopard Man. The Leopard Man. Oh, that's right. Sorry. 1949, Blank Living. <laughs> blank Living, 1949. Uh, easy Living. Yes. 
1950. Really? Is it Easy Living? Yep. That's Nin- a Preston Sturgis movie from the 30s. There we Stole go. it. Stole the title. 1950. Uh, the Flame and the Blank. The Flame and... 1930, did you say? 1950. Oh, 1950. The, the f- Flame and the... The Flame and the... The Flame and the... Is it a lady? Is it a lady who's the other thing? Nope. Oh, okay. It's an object. The Flame... It's a weapon. The Flame and the Saber or something like that? The Flame and the Arrow. Arrow. Man. 1955. Like I said, I don't really know. Stranger on... Stranger on... Blank. I'm missing a bunch of these because he's done a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those journeyman He's one directors. of those three a year guys. Well, he just, you know, he was in the studio system. Yeah. So they were just assigned movies and they they made, they did their job. Yep. And it was a very efficient system. But you know what was good about that system? I'm sorry. No, please. What was good about that I system? I was watching a movie... I went. I saw, I saw Silent Night. Speaking of perverse relations with your children, <laughs> I saw Silent Night, the new uh, John Woo film with Joel Kinnaman in it, as a as a man who does not speak through the whole film because he got, gets shot in the throat at the first act of the movie. Actually, the opening of the film. Uh, and there's a scene where he's being taken out of the hospital and put in his car, and the attendant says nothing to him. Mm. Says nothing to him, and you you go you're watching that, and you go, oh, because they didn't want to pay this guy residuals. So he gets no lines. He's just a featured extra. He's not an actor in the film. He's not a credited performer. Okay. And that's what's great about the studio system, was everyone who was in a movie was already on the payroll of the, of the studio. Yeah. So it didn't matter what, how small or whatever the role was, everyone got speaking parts if they needed it. If you needed to have a speaking person, bring a person go, look at that dog or something like that. You know? <laughs> and so it's like nowadays, they wouldn't, even, they wouldn't have that. They would not allow someone to speak in a movie because it costs too much money. So they just... Everyone says nothing unless they're so like one of the main have to performers. Do this elaborate casting process every time and go like, let's look at him, let's bring yeah. him back in, let's bring him back in again. It's like you know, yeah, that's right, Doug. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, Margaret Hamilton. What, who else you can get to play the nosy neighbor in this movie? Of course, get her in. Uh, Polly uh, Holloway, I guess, because uh, that's who you got. Who's Polly Holloway? Uh, I might say Flo from Alice. Oh, okay. Because she basically plays the Margaret Hamilton part in Gremlins. Oh, I see. Like I almost see. exactly the Margaret to the point where, like, on refresh my memory. One of the things that got brought up was, was this originally supposed to be a Margaret Hamilton role? Because there's a lot of like things I here. I remember you talking about it. What's that? You I listen. I listen to it because uh, I post a show. Yeah, but I can listen to it on the website before it's even, before it drops. So I was brought presents and listening to. It yeah, episode. like she is trying to take the dog away. She's mean, and then she dies with like her legs sticking up in the air, and like, <laughs> yeah, this is Margaret Hamilton gags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, sure. references anyway to the film. Yeah, and it's like, well, why is this flow? Because Joe Dante loves loves movies. If you've seen um, Matinee, you'd know that. All right. Well, maybe I will. You know the one with John Goodman? Oh, yeah. yeah like the William Castle kind of character? Oh, okay. I have seen that's that. That's a Joe then. Dante film as well. Yeah. Saw it at the Capitol Six Theater. I saw it at the Clova. Oh, isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> Second run theater. It's slightly cheaper. You could see two movies a night. Oh, well, you could see uh, six movies if you uh, had no conscience. <laughs> go from theater to theater at the Capitol Six. Yeah. Uh, stranger on oh, blank. Stranger on a bike. Stranger on horseback. Bah. Western. Blank day in the morning, 1956. <laughs> blank day in the morning. Uh, blank day in the morning. Blank day in the morning. Um, oh, nothing's popping into my mind here. Great. Let's- Great day in the morning? Great day in the morning. Great day in the morning. Okay. Okay. This is a, a one word. Okay. Seven letters. Yeah. Begins with a W. Okay. Ends with A. Seven letters, you said? Seven letters. Begins with a W. Ends with A. Okay. Is a place. 1955. <laughs> is a place. Uh, it's also uh, uh, the first 
uh, word in a, uh, a song. A song that you like. It's a good song. It's an old-timey song. Is it Wichita? Yes. Very nice. Here's I don't know what song you're talking about, but it's the only Wichita one. Wichita Lineman. Oh, okay. There you go. He's still on the line. And I love you more than want you. Lisa hates that line. Huh. All right. I know. It's weird. 1959. Uh-huh. It's another place. Okay. It's eight letters. Eight letters. Starts with a T. Okay. Ends with a U. Uh, oh, really? Starts with a T. Ends with a Tiramisu. The fa- fabulous city. Some call it a soft-centered place, but... Timbuktu. Oh, Timbuktu. I'm going to give you two more, and then we're... Uh, no, I'll do three more. It's fine. <laughs> oh, brother. All brother. right. Uh, giant of... And then... Uh, Gi- giant of the Valley. Giant of Marathon, 1959. No. Uh, the Comedy of Blank, 1965. Oh, The Comedy of Pain, that famous film. The Comedy of Terrors. <laughs> That's actually a good title. And finally... It feels like that's the end of your career kind of movie you do. The that. last uh, the last feature film you made yeah. in 1965. Yeah. War Gods. War. War God, Gods, yeah. War Gods. Okay. Of the blank. War hyphen Gods. Of the blank. Of the air. Of the deep. You couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> Went in the wrong direction. I did go. Totally. Right. <laughs> what the heck is this? Like, I know you were the guy that did the, the cat people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the last uh, TV thing it looked like he did, mm-hmm. TV, was like T-H-E cat. Weird. Yeah. Uh, it was a U.S. television action series on NBC yeah. uh, from 66 to 67. Uh, it was Robert Loja. Robert Loja. Yeah. Know him. Uh, as Thomas Edward, Edward Cat. Yes. And uh, it was uh, it he was a sneak. A th- he was a thief. He was yeah. It was a kind of riff on it takes a thief mm. about a cat burglar who uses his skills for good. And yeah, there was an episode directed by uh, the person who done cat people. So Jacques Tourneur. Nice. He also directed a Twilight Zone episode. Oh really? Yep. Good for him. Good. A for working him. man. Yep. He liked to work. He liked to make movies. He was a very great great eye. A great eye. The Cat People is a fantastic film. What's it about? It is about. A man who meets a woman. She's a foreign woman. Okay. From Eastern Europe. And she believes that if she falls, that if she is sexually aroused, that she will turn into a killer cat. And uh, it could be true. Okay. Could be true. You know, you can just say cat. You don't have to say killer cat. Well, I just... Does, most just, cats are She doesn't killers. turn into a house cat. Just turns no, into like a, a killer giant, cat as well, depending cat. on your perspective. A giant cat. You, you ask me what a bird one thinks of larger, is a killer cat. One of the larger of the cat species. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that cats are killers. Yeah. I, I, I They're delightful serial killers that we love. <laughs> That's the reason that we like uh, those podcasts about uh, serial killers and whatnot, as well as the same reason we like cats. <laughs> Is that right? Is that we love serial killers? Yeah. Well, charming ones. Yeah, charming serial killers. We don't like ones that are like, blah, 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 we don't like that crap. <laughs> but we're like, oh, hello. And, and that doesn't exist. They're very think. charming and they purr. Then we, then we like them. I guess there are charming serial killers. And they're so charming they're never caught, so we don't realize they're serial Ooh, killers. Ooh, I don't like that at all. Whereas, you know, like the more lumpen serial killers, you like kind of lose it and go on like some sort of murderous Ugh. in murderous state, I mean, murderous fugue state, like a like a uh, guy, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of them, but the one yeah. I'm trying to think of, I can't. Bundy, yeah. Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went down to Florida, lost it, attacked a whole, all, you know, like a went through a girl sorority, slashing and killing. You know, that's losing it. Because before that, he was, like, sneaking around, yeah. pretending he had a broken arm, 
you know, kidnapping women, murdering them in horrible ways. But then he like, and then he's like, I'm so sly, which is not really true. It's just the whole, no. the whole police system was like such a mess that no one knew what was going on, even though it was also, happening. Also, we're not uh, designed to think that people are going to hurt us in that way no, because, you know, you can't live your life like that. No, no, that'd be terrible. And uh, yeah. Again, it's so weird, like, uh, whenever I would think about, like, when I first moved to BC and uh, we had a serial killer that was around that mm. was, like, just picking off kids that, like, were, like, my age and I still yeah. had to walk to school alone. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, so many weird parts about that. Mm. And it was like, yep, this is the way it is. But that's, not, is. But that's not even how he worked. No. Nah. That's not how he worked. He didn't, like, ki- capture you off the street and take you somewhere. You had to, like, go to him. Like, he would hire you. You yeah, know? well, we did. Yeah, and everyone had like a story of something or someone that yeah. It was an, yeah, oof. that he approached. He either like pretended to be a, a, a fashion photographer, like a looking for models, or he was uh, did construction and was looking for people to help on construction. Here's sites. why. Here's why I'm giggling, even though it's a terrible thing. First of all, because you got to. Two. I was watching a thing about uh, Gen X. It was like just just someone who was like listing a whole bunch of facts about like you know uh, uh, Gen X. How tough we had it and. A little bit, but there was one thing that was like, uh, ask a Gen Xer about the time they were almost kidnapped. Mm. And it's like, everyone's got a fucking yeah. story or two. If it, Unless yeah. they've got a story of a time they were kidnapped. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everyone's got a story. Yep. And it's like a legitimate story. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. The time you got into the car when you shouldn't have. So, or almost or what? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. No, I got into the van when I shouldn't have. It was my mistake. Yeah, everyone's got one. Yeah. It's just everyone's loaded up with a story. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. It was more like a, a sexual come on. You know, it didn't, oh, also it didn't get into also like... Also had that, yeah. It didn't like a, get to... Uh, a substantial amount of waiting for the bus and people offering rides with, mm, uh, mm-hmm. uh, hey, uh, where are you going? Yeah. Well, give you that. well, Jesus Christ. Like, why don't you just have a red flag on top of the car? <laughs> I'm happily married, but uh, do you want to have sex? Hmm. Let's talk about our happy marriages <laughs> at uh, my place. It's a little bit different. We're a little older at that point. Uh, I'm going to the questions of the week. At, at sure, the if you wouldn't mind. Yes, sir. Could Read you go, one from. Could you go back an episode? Oh boy, I don't know if I can on this new system that we got. Hold because uh... oh, people have been asking why the page looks different. Why? Why does the page look different, Dave? Well. The Sneaky Dragon page. The Sneaky Dragon page. Which, by the way, if you want to uh, write to us, that's one of the ways to do it. Just go to (laughs) SneakyDragon.com. Yes, you can do that. You'll have to navigate a different sort of a situation. We apologize for that. Because our original theme that we've been using for the past, whatever, when we started the show in 2011, it has never never been updated in all that time. (laughs) Like never, on all the changes to WordPress and all that time, it was never upgraded. Yep. And I guess I was supposed to upgrade it. Like most, most of them like like issue you like an up, up, update and then you just like apply it. Like all your plugins and things like that on your website for WordPress anyway. When the, comp- you know, when the various, whoever does these things, whoever has these plugins, when it's, when it's updated for, for like the new WordPress or whatever, they just, the update appears and you go, sure, install. And then it up, it up, you know, updates this plugin. But the theme I was using for all these years was never updated in all that time. Mm. And so it was becoming rather creaky and antique. And there was a lot of things that I was doing as sort of workarounds to try to get around the fact that uh, I didn't have all the, I couldn't update some of the things that we, that, you know, you use for your website, like some of the code and stuff like that. I couldn't update. 
And so I was getting really worried <laughs> that at some point it was just going to break the system. Like, and that, and because what I'm most worried about is like, I go to post a show and I can't post it. Right. Because the plugin that I use for posting the podcast is now it's too, you know, it's be upgraded and it no longer supported, it no longer supports the theme that I used because that theme is too old. And so I decided to just, and so I've been thinking about this for a while of like changing the theme and I, and I was all like, okay, I got to make sure to do this and do that. And then I thought, you know what, when I did the, did the thing originally, I just like plopped it together and, you know, just sort of worked it out over time. So that's what I thought. I'd, I So I just put a new theme on it. It's just a, the most bare bones basic thing of all time. I plan to go in and like <laughs> change it, you know, like add things and have a homepage and make it all a bit bit more nice looking but right now it's just like as plain and and white bread as possible it's like you're just eating bread when you look right. at it there's not even any jam on it well i think the jam that we've got is our letters <laughs> there Delicious you go filling. there you go so did you find uh yeah it was from edward right that's right from ed uh that's the other thing i don't know how this happened but in the old days when someone say ed wrote a letter he normally if ed wrote to us it would yeah. just publish right away because it, it i've i've approved his email a long time ago we approve and of so ed on every we approve i totally approve of ed and so it recognizes his email address and it goes oh it's ed blanc and it disappears on the website right but if you post a lot of links in your letter yeah then the system thinks that you are possibly a scammer who's writing letters and then putting links in to try and get people to go to places that may not be very savory and so when ed did that it thought oh i'll park this and let Dave approve it to make sure that it's okay. But in the old days, it would tell me that added, that there was a comment waiting for approval. Okay. It would email me, and, I, and then I would know there would be a comment there. It doesn't do that anymore. So people will comment, and then I don't know about it till I go to post a show. And then there's a you know little red one, like a little red circle with a one in it. And I'm like, oh, there's a comment. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Ed wrote. I wonder why Ed didn't write. He did. He just got stuck in limbo. So apologies, Ed. Anyway, what did Ed have to say? Well, I'm going to tell you. Please do. All right. And I hope I'm getting his accent right. <laughs> uh, season's greetings, everyone, from the limbo between Christmas and New Year's. It's still kind of limbo, even though like New Year's is, is over because, you know, we started, we had holidays yeah. like almost like right before Christmas Eve. So people are still getting time off now. Yeah. Um, answering a question from two episodes ago, I was 13 in 1978, which puts me in a sweet spot between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. I was still seeing uh, one uh, one on the screen and looking forward to the next in uh, late 1978. If there was one film uh, that really was the goat that year, it would have to be Superman the movie. Uh, the in 78. Uh, that's what he says here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you not think Superman came out in 1978? That seems right. It came out after Star Wars for sure. I thought it was a bit later than that. You know what? I yes, it did come out then because okay. I remember it, we moved. We moved around then, and I remember like looking in the newspaper and seeing an ad for it. So, yeah, it would make sense. Okay. Um, I wasn't the biggest DC fan at the time, but I really love that film, and I still watch it with great awe and respect. Gene Hackman goes down as the greatest Lex Luthor, too. Doesn't get any better than him. Uh, Louise stole my thunder with creme de menthe idea, uh, but my backup was a drink I see in a local restaurant called Swamp Water, Check it out here. And we got like a swamp water drink. We actually made a swamp water drink on the Gremlins 2 episode of Refresh My Memory. Uh, copied and pasted. This cucumber gimlet is the perfect drink on a hot summer day and it is so simple. <laughs> Two ounces of gin uh, of choice. One ounce fresh cucumber juice. 
a half ounce lemongrass syrup, okay. uh, three quarters of an ounce lime juice, a few mint or basil leaves. I think uh, basil might be better. Shake and strain. Garnish with a swamp worm. Uh, the lemongrass syrup is very simple as well. Equal parts sugar and water and about uh, 10 individual uh, lemongrass leaves, not stalks. Yeah, okay. Huh. Uh, and Dave, yes. did you hit the nail on my balding head when you asked <laughs> if I let things pile up? I have so many collectible figures and statues I need to open and rotate onto my limited shelves. You want proof? Check out this interview with my buddy Todd for Spectrum One News from May of 2021. I actually point out the corner of my room and say, I promise you every collector has a corner of the room where their collectibles pile up. Go to the 250 mark below to see it. And yes, indeed, it's it's there. Yeah. I've since taken over my stepson's room, who's moved out and is now uh, filling up with Marvel Legends figures, DC McFarlane figures, Indiana Jones Adventure Series figures, Funko Pops, and of course... Star Wars Black Series figures. I'm still working on getting all the Return of the Jedi 40th collection. I may have a problem. <laughs> well, you're not going to get help here. Yeah. We're uh, both stackers, me and Dave, of yes, uh, various I, kinds. A lot of, lot of books. Uh, I'll solve it later. For now, allow me to raise a glass and toast the greatest podcast around and the dedication from both Ian and David for another year of Sneaky Dragon. Cheers to all my fellow sneakers as well. Happy 2024. See you all next year or around the barbershop. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I wonder which show he was toasting, though. Mm. He didn't say. Didn't name it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then uh, last week we asked a couple of things, which was uh, what's something you plan to do for Christmas but didn't do? And also we asked... Uh, how often do you go to the dentist? We also asked, do you floss? And we also got really personal. And went, All right. Uh, stick out your tongue. Uh, back to Edward. Oh. Says, uh, is, is it talking about the interface, saying, uh, looks like a new interface. Very nice. Huh? I wrote a comment last week. Hey, what's going on? Why didn't you read it? And uh, we read it. We just we're, did, Edward. We're snobs. Come on, Edward. Uh, Louise responds. Doesn't respond. She writes her own darn thing. I plan to get uh, more of my current assignment done before Christmas so I could enjoy the break more. But it didn't work out that way, so now I'm scrambling to catch up. My dentist's office recommends a cleaning every four months. <laughs> I bet they do. I bet they do. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a dental benefit through my writer's guild, so I figure I may as well use the annual uh, allowable. I watched the video of Ed and his Star Wars collection, I must say, uh, that it was very tidy and well-dusted looking display, and his original art is very impressive. Uh, Edward replies, Ha! I dusted all night long to get ready for that interview. That's that's HGTV, man. You can't have dust anymore. <laughs> uh, thank you for the kind words, Louise. You should see what isn't shown in that video. It's a point of contention with my wife. Uh, also, I planned to invade Canada during the holidays, but I ran out of gas and my passport was expired. Better luck next year. I'm due to visit my dentist uh, postponed since November, so that is a loaded question. Also, my Canadian invasion threw everything off. <laughs> there we go. That is the end of those letters. Was there any uh, email? There was an email that we missed last week because I read um, Jonathan's email with his questions for, for uh, Jason. Okay. But I missed an email in all the excitement. The show was ending. Uh, so this is from Tom Longo. And it's it mentions Sneaky Dragon. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this. But it's... Its subject is musical bliss. And Tom says, hey, guys, I've been listening to Sneaky Dragon since episode 533. But it was your completely Beatles podcast that got me to listen to your guys' Sneaky Dragon content. Of course, it's a gateway drug. 
you guys need to expand on the Completely Beatles podcast. I'm a huge Beatles fan, mm-hmm. and there is a ton, or you guys might know it as 907.85 kilograms <laughs> that wasn't covered, and I'm dying to hear you guys banter about the U.S. albums and the anthology series. I enjoy listening to Sneaky Dragon while I deliver mail all day. It makes my day fly by, and it offsets the angry customers I meet who give me back their junk mail that's addressed to current resident, and they yell at me that that's not them. Keep up the good work. Much appreciated here. Thank you. Nice. Thanks very much, very Tom. Nice. Sorry that people are yelling at you <laughs> about... We, uh, we are still planning to... Uh, we to, are planning a little to, bit. Uh, to, to talk uh, more... Well, there was, a, there was a recent Beatles song. There's also a Beatles documentary that uh, we haven't talked about yet, so... You know, we'll find uh, we'll find uh, some time, and then we'll watch things, and we'll have uh, a little bonus bit. We'll do what kind of what we did with uh, Tintin, which we'll have yeah. a little bonus episode. Yeah, we'll do a bonus episode, one of these centuries. Yep. I promise. And if uh, there, a new Tintin movie ever comes out, we'll probably talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah there was always the talk. Peter Jackson is still be working on it. Uh, we so could talk to him and say, "Get on, get on with it." And he the- went, "Did you watch the Beatles one? They did." And we'll go, "Shut up." <laughs> Shut up about it. Don't don't, don't be don't be bringing that up. Um, Here's a question I have for uh, listeners who care to answer such things. Yeah, you uh, your feelings about the abyss made me think. Hey, is there a movie that you really like that has one element that just makes you go, "Oh, why is that in there?" (laughs) Ghostbusters. Why is that in there? Something like yeah, Ghostbusters has you know uh, the 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 weird little scene with Dan Aykroyd that yeah. you're like what's that? What's that? Yeah, that's not really going anywhere. Why yeah. is it in there? Yeah, what's what's that? I mean, it was it was a scene from that they cut and doesn't really make sense. They made a dream. It's strange. Um, <laughs> they like yeah. the joke so much. Yeah, you know maybe it's a uh, you know I feel that way about let's say uh, Drag Me to Hell. There's a movie that I like up until a certain point, and then I go, yeah, that ruined it for me. Don't care for that. It doesn't like a movie that lives up to its name. Well, why don't we spoil it? <laughs> there we go. It's been out a while. I'm not uh, sorry, folks, if you haven't yep. seen it. But, you know, come on. Go on Get with on. it. So Get is there it. is there a motion picture that has one element to it that uh, doesn't necessarily ruin the movie, mm. but it's like you really like this movie except for, oh, this one thing, this one character, this one bit uh ugh, i don't like it so uh yeah that's my question back to you david oh i have to have a question too you don't you don't we could make up a a, a thing uh, i i got a i got a second one okay sure sure what's Please. the first big meal you ever cooked oh there you go we have that question during the show too yeah so uh what's uh what's the first big meal you ever cooked or were responsible for and mm-hmm. how'd it go tell yeah. us your tell us your story about that there's a question because we talked about movies we talked about cooking we talked about <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, why people were mean once upon a time. <laughs> why? Yeah, why? Why? Why are they still mean then? Oh, are people still mean? I think people are still mean. Mean in a different. Oh, way. I'll tell you why. They're scared. Defensive. There's, yeah. The only reason defensive. people are like mean about stuff is yeah, because they're uh, they're worried. They're scared. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, they they want to feel safe, and you feel safe if you're on the team that's making fun of something else, and but you got yeah. your gang with you, then you sure. feel safety in numbers, but you're not actually safe. There's, there's more safety and empathy. There you go. So if you want to be in a great team, be in the Sneaky Dragon team, folks. Yeah. And to do that, go to the website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. You can leave a comment. You can answer the questions that Ian just asked. Two very good questions, by the way. Yay. Can I remember what they are? That's a different question. First meal you made that was like uh, your own meal and one uh, a film That's that right, has one element. That's right, a film that you would like to change part of that movie. Uh, and how else could you contact us? Well, you could use email. Mm. 
go to sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You don't go there, but you can use this as your address, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Send us an email. I love them. Uh, you can go to uh, Facebook. We're on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. We're also on Twitter, formerly known as X. Uh, we're there as Sneaky underscore Dragon. So there you go. Are we on Instagram yet? No, we're not. Should we be on Instagram? Probably. Are we on TikTok? No. Definitely. Are we on YouTube? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. You can see Dave making uh, eggs a Dedrick mm. uh, on there. Yep. If you want to know how to make it. It's real easy. Well, it's not really. You won't easy. make the same mistake he made the first time he made it. That's true. I help you through it. Learn from our errors. I learn. And take a look at what my kitchen looks like. Because <laughs> because the uh, the recipe I use has things like that where it says, you know, use three sprigs of tarragon and those kind of like really helpful recipe things like sprigs. What, what does that even mean? I need to know measurements. Yeah. Not not descriptions of things. Like sprigs. That's something that you, you uh, safety pin to your lapel. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like you're the uh, doctor. Like you're the doctor. The fifth doctor. Sure. Peter Davison. Yeah. The only doctor have I met? I haven't met any other doctors in person. Okay. I've seen other doctors in person, but I've not met any okay. besides him. Yeah, he was very nice. Good, glad to hear that. He's also the uh, last detective, and he's also Tristan Farnham in All Creatures Great and Small. There we go. That's all the information we're going to give you today, everyone. So thank you for listening. We'll see you again. All righty. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm gonna have to pay for that. that I didn't like banana splits because of the uh, pineapple. This is so it's a weird. Yeah. It's a weird choice. It's people's least favorite part of the uh, Dairy Queen banana split. You know what my least favorite part is? I realized the banana. Mm. I said a banana guy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I think people are waiting to hear our banana th- thoughts. <laughs>